1: What's up, everybody? This is the Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson here, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style.
2: Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out and bury all the frogs from the tokyo dome over to the g1 social suplex is a network where we can get it done i'ma chill and let them have it because this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go boy yeah from tampa bay to the tokyo dome this is keeping it strong style with your host jeremy donovan and the young boy joshua smith and thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Dalvin here with the young boy Josh Smith and Dan Coffin. On today's show, we'll review G1 Climax 31, Nights 14 through 17, answer listener questions, and cover all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or Keeping It Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice, and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling t store, or prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style T-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for njpwworld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. Young boy, Dan, how you guys doing? I'm doing great. (laughs) How are you guys? I
1: I had to point at Dan, give him his cue, let him know it's his turn to talk.
3: (laughs) I wanted you to go first, man. He said both of us, so I was gonna let you go and then me.
1: Yeah, it's me, it's me, it's D D -D. (laughs) T. I'm back, and I'm better than ever. He's got a knack
2: for making things better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I
1: actually didn't know the rest of those.
2: Yeah. Dude, I-, I had the Rufus Aggression CD. <laughs> I
1: had the uh the CD where it was um real artists like remixing all the uh all the added Sierra songs and like run DMC did uh like the DX song.
2: The King oh, of yeah. Raku to be my hubby just <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> And, like, I think Whitecleft John and other people were, like, on that album. I don't remember exactly who all was on it. But, yeah, I had that album.
2: Yeah, that, that was a pretty dope album. But, uh, like I said, I've got Dan here, friend of the show, longtime listener, questioner, <laughs> part of the Largo Loop. Dan, it's good to have, you know, our, our resident olds on top. <laughs> the, the, the ghoul aficionado uh, of the Largo Loop here on Keeping It Strong Style. Um, You know, every time we have new guests, Dan, we like to get a little of their uh, NJPW history. So go ahead and tell our listeners, how did you start watching uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling?
3: Well, I mean, I started from meeting you guys, right? So, like, I, you know, I've been a wrestling fan since I was a little kid. Um, you might say I was an FDSer for most of my life. And then I saw (laughs) saw the light when I got older. (laughs) Um, but now growing up, you know, I I knew there was wrestling going on in Japan. That was like, you know, I don't, I'd heard stories and like these apocryphal tales on the internet and stuff. And, and, uh, but I never really watched it or knew a whole lot about it. I just heard names like AJ Styles or whatever. Um, and then I don't know, it was about what, 2018 or so. Um, uh, I met Rich or 2017 or so, somewhere in there. I met Rich at work, and you know, I had a fake wrestling belt on my desk at the time, and we were on the same team. And he came over to ask me a question about something. He's like, "You like wrestling?" <laughs> I was like, "You a Mark?" I was like, <laughs> "Are you a belt, Mark?" Yeah, I am. So yeah, we just got started talking. And then there was one night where um, we went to an I went to an NXT show by myself, and Josh and Rich were there. Um, That was the one that was uh, the main event was (laughs) uh, Velveteen Dream versus Lars Sullivan. You know, oh (laughs) man, yeah, one of the greatest (laughs) NXT main events of all time. (laughs) <laughs> Bro, I
1: I heckled or what's I heckled the shit out of Lars Sullivan that night like bad.
3: He deserved it. <laughs>
1: that was like one of the worst heckling jobs I've ever done to any performer in history. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was pretty rough. Um, but then I I met you there, and then like not long after that, uh, Rich and I got tickets from work for the suite at the Amelie Arena, uh, to go watch like a SmackDown show. And you guys both were there. That's the first time I met Jeremy, you know, Rich said, hey, these guys, you know, they're really into Japan wrestling, this New Japan stuff. I was like, what the hell is that? I (laughs) I didn't know anything about New Japan world or anything. Uh, And it's funny. I was actually a Kiss fan before I was a New Japan fan, because I was like, (laughs) I met you guys and I thought you were cool and everything. I was like, let me just start listening to this and see what it's about. And then I you know I'm hearing these names like <laughs> Kanamaru and <laughs> Hiroshi Tanashi and I'm like what what are they talking about and so that's when I was like well maybe I should actually like start watching this so that's when I started picking it up um I think I started watching uh whenever the best of the Super Junior was with uh when Shingo was in it when mm, he not 20... long after he came in that's when I came in yeah 2019 so, uh, Right. So that's, that's when I started watching, and that's probably a pretty good time to get into it, I would think. Yeah. That's how One Nation Radio is for me, hearing them talk about
1: all the Joshis, but I'm not going to cross over, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to let Momo and Jungle and Nene and all, you know, Kagetsu, they're going to just exist in my imagination. I don't know what they look like. I don't know what they wrestle like. They're just names <laughs> I hear on, on One Nation Radio Weekly.
3: Right. <laughs> My time's at a premium now anyway. You know, I got work and, and kids and pets and, and, like, I've got enough other wrestling to watch. I can't throw in stardom on there, too, unless it's, like, just something that, like, you know, they tell us we have to watch. Also, my wife.
1: I was not saying, a you're, not, you're not allowed to watch it.
3: Right. My <laughs> wife, not a fan of women's wrestling. <laughs> it was funny the other night. Um, I, th- I told her you guys reached out to me to come on the show And I was like hey honey I'm going to you, talk about you A little bit on the show She's like what are you going to talk about The only thing I know about wrestling is that I hate women's wrestling <laughs> It's a woman like, after my own heart I was like you and Josh have a lot in common <laughs> Listen
1: I will say this Of all the people that came out For my birthday earlier this year Said they were ride or die so they're going to roll with me Stay out You know Dan and his wife were the, the one, two
3: G's of the right? friend
1: group that actually stayed through the whole entire bar crawl. You
3: know, like like we're old, married couple. When we go out, like if we're going to go out, we go out because we don't go out very often. So we make it count, right? Well, old's, on yeah. <laughs> olds
1: on top. Olds Unlike on Jeremy. top. Olds on top.
3: Unlike Jeremy. <laughs> Tapped out early. You
1: know, did the J-O-B. Young's, so the other young's thing young's about young's my, my
3: wife, mud. with <laughs> she, uh, what I was gonna t- no, I I told her like no, I'm not gonna talk about how you hate women's wrestling. I'm gonna talk about the <laughs> <You> just <laughs> did. I, I- <laughs> she's not gonna listen. I'm not gonna get in trouble for this. But no, what I want to talk to her uh, talk about is the the New Japan Collection app. I'm like the last person in America that still does the New <laughs> Japan Collection app, right? <laughs> And I had her sign up for it when it first came out because I was like, hey, when you get four stars, I'm going to trade you, and I'm going to get, like, all these great four stars. Uh, and the great thing was she would, like, download these cards, and she'd be like, who's Hiroshi Moshimoshi? And, like, trying to pronounce all these names. So I would just like, here, read this one. Read this one. And then there was one. She's like, who's Jay Lethal?" I'm like, honey, that's Jay Lethal. That's, like, English. What are you... <laughs> oh, uh, Guess. She, she approved me telling those stories. She's not too worried about it.
1: <laughs> so, Dan, um, getting things back on track here, um, since you have started watching, who's your favorite New Japan wrestler, and what would you say has been your favorite New Japan match?
3: Well, I mean, it goes back to Shingo. I came in at the same time that he came on, and I I mean, I feel like he can have a great match with anybody. Um, he, I, I just love watching him. He's he's great. <laughs> Um, and then my favorite match, I, 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 Shingo Mark. So it's got to be Shingo versus uh, Will Ospreay at the Best of Super Junior vinyl. Mm, like, that's wow. what got me hooked. That's what got me hooked on watching New Japan Wrestling. Like, I was, like, blown away by it. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to subscribe now. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> got your money, kid. <laughs> Yo, got
3: got their hooks in me.
2: So. That's awesome, man. Well, glad that we well, could.
1: look, it's paying off. Look yeah, It's taking you to the big time. <laughs> to the top.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we could play a role in your uh, fandom, and yeah, glad to have you as a friend now and here on KISS, so that has been awesome, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Well, uh, first thing we're going to talk about before we jump into G1 action, this past Friday on the Rampage buy-in, we had... An awesome match. We had the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, taking on Murder Grandpa, Minoru Suzuki. And just an an awesome, awesome matchup. Did you guys uh, get a chance to check this out?
1: I actually did watch this match. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah, it was great.
2: Yeah, man, this match was freaking incredible. Like... G1 caliber, never style, intensity with the slaps and the chops. Uh, You know, your catch-as-catch-canned, you know, original strong style of the submission work as well. Uh, It's just an awesome matchup here, and I hope we get to see more of these guys or more, you know, of Danielson wrestling guys like Suzuki in the States and eventually, hopefully, in Japan as well. Uh so we had a question from Rambo and Slam Pigs. which of Norzuki's recent string of matches in the US have been your favorite so far is there anyone you are dying to see him face before he heads back to Japan
1: Hmm It's a good question. Um I I can't claim to have seen every match that he's done uh during this time period just cuz you know my my uh, viewing's been a little more infrequent lately but on top of that he's been pretty much everywhere wrestling you know a who's who so um it's even if you are like trying to watch everything it's going to be really hard to keep up and and you know kind of you know consume all that content that being said I, this match has got to be for my money the best match that he's had so far i now i will say i've heard good things about the daniel garcia match he had um i saw some clips that looked really great but you know this kind of a lot of the suzuki matches i've seen recently have seemed sort of like paint by numbers, you know, kind of the Suzuki on the road, house show sort of like, you know, playing the greatest hits type of thing. And here he seemed a little bit more motivated, bigger stage, bigger opponent. And, uh, you know, to me, I didn't, I'm not as high in this match as everyone else's, I don't think, but at the same time, both guys seem really motivated. And I just thought it was a really enjoyable encounter just top to bottom.
3: Yeah, I thought it was it was I think I thought it was his best match since he's been over here. Um I haven't watched them all either. Uh like you said, it's that's a lot to keep up with. The guy's everywhere. And he's still not done. Like he's gonna no. be on <laughs> he's gonna be on impact and like going some other places. Um and he might show up randomly some other some places we don't even know about yet. Um but yeah, the match against uh Daniel Bryan was just it was very hard hitting. Um it was the Daniel Bryan that we all knew existed, but hasn't been able to really come out much. Um, and they, it seemed, like you said, it's they seem to uh, leave some on the table to where they could possibly have another match down the road and, and have another great one. Um, I feel like, just like Josh said, I think with Suzuki, it's been kind of like, yeah, house show style. Like, you know, he's coming out and just kind of gliding off his reputation on some, in some of the matches. I mean, they're still fun. Right. Um, but not to that level like even the matches against like moxley and stuff um you know they're slapping each other around and everything but th- this was just like another level um and who i'd want to see him wrestle as the one that we haven't gotten to see him wrestle and we were supposed to at uh, spring break i'd like to see him orange cassidy right mm. yeah
2: that that would be the match to make and i'm hoping you know we're, we're heading to dynamite this weekend in orlando yeah, i'm hoping tk you know he's, he's you know, Puffing his chest out right now. Hope he's feeling a little a little spicy. Give us a Suzuki and an OC this weekend.
3: Yeah, need to be a little more generous.
1: Yeah, I'm like like trying to like scour the internet. I'm like, who's on the indies that he hasn't fought that he's not, you know, like going to be wrestling? And I'm trying to like, you know, see who it would be. And then (laughs) he's like been
3: everywhere, or he's going to be everywhere. It's like impossible.
1: (laughs) Right, and you know, for me, I feel like the Brian Danielson answer probably would have been my my answer. Had it not just occurred, you know, Um, I don't know, Jeremy, what are you thinking? Oh, you know what? I would really like for them to do a Jericho match. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And Jericho did uh, retweet somebody's tweet today about uh, wrestling Suzuki. And he said, you know, let's get it done. So and Jericho has mentioned in the past about wanting to wrestle Suzuki. So, I mean, if Jericho ever get back to Japan or I mean, I guess they could do it here in the States. They could. Yeah. Do Jericho and Suzuki.
1: That does almost seem like a bigger match in Japan, though. You brought up a good point there, so I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know who, who's... Like, I don't know. I guess he could fight Nick Gage. I don't know.
2: Well, didn't he... Is that match happening already happening? I thought they already had that. Or are they going to
3: have
2: it? it? It must be <laughs> I <can't> happening. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, like you guys, I haven't seen all, all any of his non... Many of his non-AEW stuff. I did see the Jonathan Gresham match, and then... It's still new, okay. Yeah, and it's still a New Japan ca- canon. I saw the Fred Rosser match on Strong a couple weeks ago. And kind of like you were saying, Dan, with like, the Fred Rosser match and the Jonathan Gresham match, it was almost kind of like, you know, the kind of get over with his aura, kind of paint by numbers, y'all yeah, hit you with some forearms, make some goofy faces, and, you know, do some selling, and then, you know, hit you with a gotch, and then it's over. And then with the the Brian Danielson match, it's like, yeah, no, you're you you you're putting your working boots on tonight, kid. We're you know we're, we're giving these folks a heck of a match. Um, so yeah, the, the Brian Danielson match would definitely uh, be a favorite for me. I mean, the trying to think the match that he had the the Rampage uh, no holds barred match that was a fun match, but again,
1: no, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: No, I was gonna say it was fun, but again, it was not on the level of the Danielson match.
1: The the thing I was gonna say is just that. He's already lined up to wrestle so many of the top guys in the Indies when I sort of look at like uh, you know what he's doing with blood sport and everything like that, Chris Dickinson and the strong tapings. It's like it's kind of hard to find like you know to really hone in on someone that he hasn't wrestled. Um, I, guess, I guess if I'm thinking more about it, one guy that I think could maybe be a natural fit for him and tell a really great story and get a lot of sympathy could potentially be Darby Allen.
2: Oh. Yeah. I think,
1: yeah, I think if you did a Darby Suzuki match, mm, you, you'd get a yeah. lot of uh you know a lot of mileage out of that match, so
2: uh let's see here. So the next part of his question actually the next question is from Dom Homie101 he says with so if Osprey, Jay White, and Suzuki all in the States, why does it feel like Suzuki is doing more than both Osprey and White? It's not
1: feels like it is. It is. He's, yeah. he's done way more than them.
2: Yeah, I mean,
3: like Osprey. Osprey's done a, a a couple of things, but like Jay White, like what does he? He's done Impact a few shows and then Strong. Has he done anything else? I don't think so. Yeah, he's he's like just like hanging out at his house and then like flies out for <laughs> Impact. <laughs> you know,
1: I mean, he's Jay White. What, what more has he got to do? You know,
2: he sold out <laughs> Madison Square Garden. He sold out right.
1: Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I I don't know. You know. Uh, oh,
3: he needs to bring that Neverweight title to uh, Orlando AEW this weekend. <laughs> Have a
1: match. The, the fact of the matter just remains that Suzuki has done much more on this, like, literally what could be described as a retirement tour, like sort of deal, even though they're not calling it that. And I don't know that it is that, but that's sort of like the kind of aura and presence that it like carries with it. And I don't know. Those guys are doing something else who knows I mean Osprey's worked a little bit in England and he's working MLW and that's cool and you know Jay White's done some impact but that's about it like I don't know
2: yeah and not only is Suzuki doing more he's working in the hotter places I mean he's working in GCW GCW, who's there's their red hot right now he's working in AEW which is obviously super (laughs) red hot right now number one you know promotion going right now and so He's, he's in the top places, getting the most buzz, and, you know, more gifts and more videos are going around with his matches than, say, a Will Osprey strong match or a Jay White strong match.
1: You know, maybe there could be, and this might just be... I, I don't want to say this to, like, besmirch anybody because I don't think that's what it is, but, like, where Suzuki is in his career versus where Ospreay and Jay White are in their career, totally different things. You know, him coming to AEW he comes in as sort of like this legend dad status sort of thing, similar to like Kojima and Nagata where it's like, he's probably going to win in most cases, but if he loses, he can handle the loss and it really doesn't change, you know, his status in any way, one way or the other, like just the mere fact that he's there, you know, mixing up with some of these bigger names is, you know, enough for him. And, you know, it's kind of like a nice little side attraction for AEW, but with like Will Ospreay and Jay White, they're, the arguably probably the two top Gaijin talent in all of new Japan pro wrestling. Therefore they're two of the top like Western talents for them. But when you kind of compare them to like, you know, your Cody's and your Kenny's and, you know, Mox and some of these other guys in AEW, the guys that they need to be locking it up with, there's no way they would go over those guys, you know, Jericho and them not in AEW. And, they can't necessarily come over and not interact with that kind of caliber of star. So it would maybe look bad booking-wise to have them show up unless you really plan to have some sort of like talent trade where those guys get utilized in a favorable way, which I don't know that Tony Khan's looking to do that with those types of guys. So that might have something to do with it as well, you know?
2: Yeah, and also to follow up on what you're making, you know, Suzuki being that that legend, dad status, um, you know, it's more of a kind of a hot ticket to see him live when he's here in the U.S. So it's more buzz in that way, too. This kind of reminds me back in, you know, 2017, when we went to that Ring of Honor taping to see Kenny. At the time, it was like, well, you have to go because you never know when Kenny's going to be back in the States. Like, you, ha- you have to watch, you know, go watch Kenny live. You have to go meet him right now. And I think it's kind of same thing with Suzuki. Like, you don't know when Suzuki's going to be back in the U.S. Like, he's doing his creative tour right now, but... Like you said, Josh, this could be a retirement tour. Maybe he never comes back. So I think a lot of people are say, excited uh, about the chance to see him.
1: You know, one thing I will say to that, and this might be where we defer. I don't think Suzuki has as big of a name in in the States as Jay White and Will Ospreay have. I mean, I haven't, like, Google trend searched it, but I can pretty much guarantee the majority of Western fans are much more aware of who those two guys are versus um Minoru suzuki i even heard people were talking about how like his rate like he didn't do that hot in the ratings for the the few segments that you know he's wrestled or shown up and so like i i think that most of the western fan base really doesn't know him that way you know what i mean kind of like how Kenta didn't do so hot when he showed up in AEW as well
2: yeah i definitely think there is a fan base who, who doesn't know him When you know when the, the brian match was announced where some people like you know who's Minoru suzuki him being announced for impact there were some fans kind of like being like "Oh, no, who is this guy so i do do think there is some fan base that doesn't know him but i definitely think there is an aura of the hardcores are like i have to go i have to go see him um if he comes to my town because i don't know if i'll get a chance to see him again
1: yeah and i think the thing that's nice about that though is just that um, you know one thing aw's done well is sort of offered a little bit of something for everybody so even if you aren't necessarily completely familiar with him, the mere fact that he's being showcased like some of these other guys in the past have, like a Nick Gage or like a Eddie Kingston when he first came in. You know, it it just kind of shows you that people are like, okay, like, I don't know who this is, but he must be a big deal because other people seem to be aware of him, you know?
2: right. All right, well uh, let's shift gears here. Let's talk about G1 climax. So the last time since we recorded, there's been three nights of action, uh, two A block nights and one B block night. So we got night 15, 16, and seventeen. I think for for night fifteen and sixteen, we can kind of quickly go through the matches. We don't need to go give it you guys like a break, you know, a big hole by hole. Because also I think the key that we need to think we talk about is night seventeen, which was the A block final night, and just how. The scenarios broke down, and then the A block winner there. and Then we can talk about the scenarios leading into the B block finals, which will be airing by probably by the time you guys are listening to this, and it will lead into the final night on Thursday. So, on night 15, it was a October 13th. Show opened up with Hiromu Takahashi versus uh Kosei Kose Vegeta, defeating Vegeta seven minutes and 46 seconds. So We've been seeing Hiromu mix it up with these young lions. Uh, Dan, what have your thoughts been on Vegeta and Oiwa?
3: So I really like these guys. Like they come out with high energy. Um, The biggest problem I have with them, and it's like with most young lions, is it's tough for me to tell them apart when they come out in the same gear, (laughs) you know, shaved head. Like, um, but no, nah, these guys are killing it out there they They come out with like super energy. it looks like they can they can run with anybody who goes into the ring with them. I'm excited to see more from them, yeah,
1: I definitely agree. My whole thing is like when it was uh Suji Numora, I figured out who they were pretty quickly because their body composition was so different with the size differential, but like right. Um, Oua and Fujita are not that different in terms of size. So it's really hard to like, right. I still, I still <laughs> haven't even locked down. Like, wait, which one's which exactly?
2: I know when I think I get it, I'm like, all right, that one's Oiwa, And then come like, Oh, there goes Fujita. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, good, good, hard hitting opener here with Hiromu similar to the Owa match on, uh, night 14. Hiromu gets the win here with the Boston crab. Then we move on to a non-tournament match. We had Kota Ibushi defeating my man, Satoshi Kojima. 14 minutes, 56 seconds. Obviously, uh, Kojima filling in for the injured Naito here. Uh, very good, uh, hard-hitting uh, matchup here. Kojima always brings it uh, when he's called upon. I thought he did a, a good job here with Ibushi. Uh, Dan, you have any thoughts on that matchup?
3: Uh, I'll just say like Kojima can still go. And I would have liked to seen him maybe in the G1 instead of <laughs> maybe some people who will remain nameless. That. Like, like Naito. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't he just slide in a Naito spot? Right. Like after that first night.
1: Well, the thing is you need, when you're booking a G1, you need to rely on your stalwarts, the guys that you can really depend on. And you know, Naito coming out with those raggedy knees <laughs> all taped up. You just know that something like this is bound to happen. Meanwhile, Kojima year after year night after night putting in the work you know showing up kicking ass like I don't get it like
3: it's all that bread man <laughs> you, should. Yeah. you should have
1: another IWGB title reign at this point
2: I- I- I'm for it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, evil gets to be champ. Why can't why can't Kojima get another the rain?
1: Bro, that's the funny thing is like no matter what like obscene scenario you bring up as to like who could win the title, <laughs> it's like well evil won, so anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but uh moving on to the next match, Tomohiro Ishii defeated Yudro Takahashi seventeen minutes. Uh, You know, Ishii is definitely one of those guys that could, you know, get the fight out of anybody, especially a guy like Yudro. I thought this was a, you know, again, a nice little hard-hitting match here. Only 17 minutes, Ishii really kind of pushing the pace here and, uh, you know, getting Yudro to work more of his style of matchup here. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for Yudro, ends up falling to the uh, brain buster. Uh, I know you uh, mentioned, Dan, your wife doesn't like the Joshi. How does she feel about Peter uh, when she comes to the ring?
3: Uh, I do not show her, Peter. (laughs) 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 I I told you guys this story before, but the first time I uh, signed up for New Japan World, I was like, oh, I'm going to... I forget which Wrestle Kingdom it is, but I'm gonna watch, you know, I might as well just start out with a Wrestle Kingdom. Very first match, you know, Peter walk you know, struts down the ring with you, and my wife's like, What did you sign up for? Why are you watching this? Are they all like this? I was like, I don't know, they told me to watch this.
2: That's Luger. They,
3: I don't know. They
1: they told me <laughs>
2: Oh man, uh, but yeah, Peter. You know she's been doing a great job with her interpretive dancing. You know, are you real... serious
1: right now? I was <laughs> hey,
2: I was doing what commentary is talking about. You know, Kevin Kelly has been talking about how she's been you know um, explaining Udril's strategy through her interpretive dancing. She helped figure out the, the tiebreaker scenarios with her in dancing. You know, for the uh, the visually impaired, you know, she really helped them out.
3: I bet she did. <laughs> She better be on the best gear list, I'll tell you that
2: Yeah, Rich, James You know, I've been saying it the last couple weeks now If I don't see Peter on the ballot Something's wrong (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're gonna gonna
3: stop the count If she ain't on there (laughs) She's taking a very different kind of tone with Dan on
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mm. Next matchup we had Kenta defeating Tangaloa 22 minutes and 12 seconds uh, we had a lot of Bullet Club uh, shenanigans here in this matchup here with, you know, Kenta powdering, trying to trick Tangaloa. Tangaloa almost kind of the baby face in this matchup here because Kenta was trying to use all his tricks, and Tangaloa wanted a straight-up matchup, and you had Jado you on the outside kind of barking at Kenta as well to kind of get in there and get a clean match, and there was an exchange of low blows and all kinds of stuff towards the end here, and then uh, finally uh, Kenta was able to uh, get one up on uh, Tangaloa.
1: That's how I know that the brotherhood of bull club is real and a lot stronger than what we have because <laughs> listen if keeping it strong style like traded low blows to one another that would be it no more show
2: I, 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 don't I ain't too I ain't too sweet you after a low blow <laughs>
1: <laughs> like we got heat that's it these, these dudes that are too sweet in each other afterwards like nah bro like that's it you know
2: yeah Tango's like good job brother you got me <laughs> <laughs> Like what? (laughs) Uh, Dan, do you have any thoughts on this match?
3: Uh, Not really. I mean, it's just another, how many of these bullet club versus bullet club matches do we have in this G1 where they too many, Devolved into you know crotch shots and interference and all this like I mean I can understand if there's like one or two matches in a tournament like this but oh my god there's like one every night <laughs> at, at least one sometimes more
4: right
2: and it was so. really, really disappointing on the, on the Kenta and like I was expecting more guys like Chase Owens and Tama Tonga to be in this kind of stuff uh, but a guy right. like Kenta I mean I get it he, he's not Noah Kenta but he, he can still go and a lot of his matches had the whole, you know, turnbuckle off, low blow, powdering. I want to throw you in a, you know, turnbuckle spot, the, the road dog turnbuckle spot to get the schoolboy win. It's like, dude, come on. Like, Togoism has run rampant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they told like, hey, you want to save your body? I got some ideas you can do in your match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it was fine. Kanta gets the win. Then we move on to the semi-main event here. So it was an important match for Zach when he was coming in with 10 points. He went up against Toriyana, who he's had a history with and who Yano has defeated in the past. And uh, Sabre started this match off real quick. He he was trying to get get the submission on on Yano real quick. Uh, This match only six minutes and 42 seconds. Sabre was uh, able to get the win, get up to 12 points. Probably one of the the better Yano matches in the tournament. There wasn't a whole lot of time for shenanigans, and Zach was pretty much down to business here. And then the main event of the evening, your man, Dan, the dragon, Shingo Takagi, defeated the Great Ocon twenty-five minutes and fifty seconds. Dan, you have any thoughts on this matchup?
3: Uh I don't know why know why Great Ocon gets some of the hate that he uh garners online. Like I enjoy his racism. <laughs> <laughs> you no,
2: know, a lot of uh Kane fans they embrace the hate. <laughs> No, I enjoy him. He's definitely different than anybody else.
3: Um, and, you know, I, I like the screams. I like the promos without a mic. Um, I, one thing that always pops me in his matches is when he reaches over the rope and grabs somebody's head with one hand and just lifts them up. Like, it's so ridiculous, but it just gets me every time. <laughs> but yeah, this, this is a pretty good match. Uh, and, you know, Shingo with me can do no wrong, um, pretty much. Um, but yeah, it was pretty good.
2: Yeah, I really enjoy this matchup, and this was Great Okan's third uh, main event in the row. You know, he had the the match of Ishii and the match of Ibushi, which I thought were both great matches as well. And this kind of capped off his, his streak here of main events. So this was another uh, great match with Shingo. Shingo coming in with the rib injury, and the ribs were taped up. And once again, I, I think, you know, the Great O'Connor haters, they need, they need to start watching. They need to watch these main events, because he was there blow for blow for Shingo Very hard-hitting, you know, mixing in his interesting style that he has with the Mongolian chops and some of the, you know, um, submission-style wrestling that he has kind of worked on when he was on his his excursion in the U.K., which he really showed off in the the Zack Sabre match earlier in the tournament. And also Okan trying to use the power advantage, working over the injured uh, rib of Shingo. And, uh, you know, Shingo kind of coming from underneath. This was a very important match for Shingo to win. He's coming in at 10 points. Uh, If he lost this, you know, he's pretty much going to be out of of the running going into the final A-block night. Um, but very hard-hitting match here. Shingo was eventually able to get the win with the last of the dragon. Great outing for Shingo. Great job for Grey O'Connor So Shingo up to 12 points, and Grey Okan left at 8 points.
1: So cage match has this at 7.47. Do you think that's a little bit low of a rating? Oh, yeah, huh? that, that's yeah. low. <laughs> that's and, <cap. laughs> and again, that's what, you know... Do you think? Do you think part of it is that the the gimmick of Great O'Con sort of turns people off, like the, like it actually is getting too much heat with the,
2: uh, the viewing audience. It, it must be because that's kind of what I hear with like Meltzer, because you know Meltzer is like the one of the most famous <laughs> O'Con haters, and now he's like, oh yeah, O'Con's a good wrestler, but you know the gimmick's just really weird. It just really throws me off. I can't get in the match because the gimmick.
1: You know, part I don't know. Like, here's my thing at right now. I don't think. Um, Ocon has proven that he is capable or of the caliber of like the top top tip you know five or six guys in the company he's not at that level where he should be like you know having regular title challenges and title defenses for you know at at the top of the card but when you mix him in with some of those next tier guys your evils your sonatas and people like that i uh, kenta uh, i think he fits right in and in a lot of cases he's more interesting and unique than most of those guys and in some cases he's a better wrestler than some of them already you know so um yeah i i don't know i feel like it's it's kind of interesting where people like how divisive he is as a character yeah I mean- and performer
2: Yeah, I don't don't think, you know, he's, you know, IWGP, you know, heavyweight title material right now or on that level. But I still think in his first year with a gimmick and working, you know, with the main guys, I I think he's doing a great job. I think he's having a great year. And these last three main events, he he hung in there with Ishii and Ibushi and Shingo. Uh, Personally, I went four and a half uh, on this Shingo match. Uh, so maybe I might be on the, the high end. I know Grapple right now is a three point nine seven average, so it seems like yeah, probably... you're
1: you're on the high end
2: there, <laughs> Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I was in this match. I thought Chingo selling was great, uh, and then this great O'Connell was just you know just destroying this man until the end of the match.
1: Jeremy Donovan, an inaccurate Star Raider.
2: Nah. <laughs> Everybody else. Cage match, y'all wrong. Grapple, y'all wrong. <laughs> y'all need to rewatch the match.
3: <laughs> I think so I was... went like four and a quarter or something. So see, you're that close. Sounds,
1: that see, sounds way more accurate. See, Dan you know? knows what's that's up. Why, that, that's why Dan's here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I will... oh, I'd, like, I'd like to see Great O'Conn maybe challenge for the uh, Neverweight title at some point. I think that'd be a good way to get him built up into the main event scene.
1: The never weight title. and not that what I said? <laughs> yeah, but it's the never open
2: weight title. Never oh sorry. Never <laughs> open weight title. Sorry, <laughs> young boy. <laughs> Rookie. <laughs> uh but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this matchup and definitely I think it's definitely one to check out. So let's move on to night sixteen B block action here. This is the second to last night before the final B block night that is airing right now, as you're listening to this. Uh, so this show opened up, we had Bushi and Hiromu taking on Fujita and Oiwa. So Hiromu had already had singles matches with both guys, so a tag team matchup here. Bushi and Hiromu get the win. A lot of talk on commentary about best of the Super Juniors coming up with both Bushi and Hiromu will uh, probably be in. So kind of a little warm up for them there and good experience for Fujita and Oiwa.
1: I can't wait for this Bushi run. <laughs> 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 it's going to be sick.
2: Bushi's gonna pull a cob. He's gonna clean, clean the block out. He's gonna go undefeated.
1: Bro, Bushi is going, he's gonna pull a Prince Devitt, bro. He's going all the fucking way. <laughs>
2: uh, next up, we had the crown jewel, Chase Owens, defeating Tai Chi. 12 minutes and five seconds. You hate to see it. <laughs> yeah, man.
3: Literally. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, tai Chi, kayfabe wise, but has been having a rough tournament. Especially now, he also um, has some rib and you know back injuries going into the latter half of his matches in the tournament. And uh, you know Chase Owens was able to capitalize on that. And you know Chase showed you know the package, Power Driver. It puts it can put the ace away. It can put Tai Chi away. And that's what happened here, man. This was a, a very surprise win. Was I, was I the only one surprised here with uh, Chase getting the win here?
3: No, I was surprised, too. Um, I would have been disappointed with Tai Chi in this tournament, not by his matches or anything, but just by, like the results. Like, I feel like he should be getting more points than he is. And I wonder if maybe this is, you know, was Zach getting so many points? Like if this is leading to like maybe a breakup with them at some point after like World Tag League or something? I don't know. You know, I'm looking maybe too far ahead.
2: <laughs> no, no, we're we're
3: always ahead. So right, <laughs> um, but I I don't know. Maybe they, like they didn't have any. They weren't going to have either one of them win. So maybe this just leads into the next tournament and like more storylines, I guess. But yeah, but I I like Tai Chi. I wish you would have done a little better. I I don't. How many points? Do you remember how many points he had last year? I'm sure it was. You know. It is more like the same had. almost. No, I, I thought he had that, a little bit more. Yeah, last I thought year. he
2: was at least at least eight last year. Yeah, I thought he was like eight or something,
3: but. I don't know the stats. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you didn't do uh, your research?
3: N- not not that in-depth. Um, <laughs> the other thing about this match was uh, there was a point where Chase was, like, flirting with uh, Miho Abe a little bit. Kind of yeah. creeped me out. I was like, mm, maybe not you, buddy. Maybe you shouldn't <laughs> be doing that. <laughs> yeah,
2: he's like, come on, well, give me a kiss. She's like, why? No.
1: What did Chase ever do?
3: <laughs> Allegedly.
1: I don't know. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so the participants from last year's um, looks like Tai Chi ended with eight points in the A block in G130. Also, since we're talking about stats and research, I did do a Google Trend search for Suzuki, Osprey, and Jay White. And I was correct in that Will Osprey and Jay White are more popular in the States or more searched, at least, than Monero Suzuki. But the interesting thing is Jay White, back in January, spiked way above everybody. Remember what mm. happened in January?
2: The whole contract thing, yeah. Then, he was
3: supposed to be at the Royal Rumble, right? Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then, in like March, April, Will Ospreay spikes to comparable heights, gets really close, and throughout the rest of the year, up until like July, he's kind of like way above everybody. And then in July... Jay White's number goes even higher than it was at the beginning of the year. What happened around that time frame? Him and Kenny faced off at Impact, and there's the rumors about him and AEW and everything. But look at this one little blue spike at the very, very end there. That's <laughs> Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> he is suddenly, out of nowhere, more popular than either of them have ever been in this country. <laughs>
3: Uh, that's, a, that's three words Holds on top, man <laughs> <laughs> I think the three letters are A-E-W <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, oh, Yeah, man, man. Uh, Yeah, Tai Chi Yeah, disappointing tournament Like you said, kayfabe-wise Definitely expecting him to get some more points here Because, I mean, he's just keeps getting better every year You know, he's drifted away from a lot of the, the cheating And kind of, you know, antics that he used to do as a junior heavyweight and kind of his beginning run and as a heavyweight and it's been had some really good matches in this tournament, probably one of the standout guys in the B block. But I think the problem here is obviously you had a block with Cobb and Okada, you know, running the table and pretty much, you know, Cobb going undefeated Okada only losing one matchup. So, Unfortunately for everybody else, I mean, they had to eat a lot of losses, but I definitely thought right. Tai Chi would have fared still a little bit better than he has done here. But yeah. Uh, che- th-
1: that's not the problem. The problem here is that you guys are not letting the story play out. Okay. <laughs> Let's see where it goes before we make any, ju- you guys are being too critical. No, um, in all seriousness though, like the, the point you brought up there, Jeremy is absolutely accurate. And you know what, that that's pretty much the deal with Tai Chi most years is like, he ends up in blocks with killers and it's, like it, that's just the way it is in new japan like there's okadas and abushis and evils and you know <laughs>
3: this is not and, for you baby <laughs> Yeah,
1: there's, there's a lot of guys ahead of him in that pecking order you know
2: right then uh next matchup we had sonata defeating hiroki goto 15 minutes and 32 seconds this match was fine. Um I mean <laughs> that this is the most mid of matchups in New I, Japan right this now.
3: This is the Mendoza line of matchups <laughs> in <this> Oh <one. laughs>
2: uh, man. You know, we mentioned it last week with Chris, like how far Sonata's fallen. This guy was a G one finalist last year with Ibushi, and now he's just, you know, struggling to get points, having, you know, just kind of mid matches. You know, I'm I, here for it.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, man. The, the matches is this, like this. Like again, this was a fine little like three star, three and a quarter match. I was like, man, I expect more from both of these guys.
3: Yeah, this this is, I don't, it's just not G1 worthy, right? I mean, I know I haven't been watching them as long as you guys and most of the listeners, but, like, the ones I've seen, like, this is just, like, another match. Like, come on, this is the big time, right? The thing is, of course, they could
1: probably have a really great match if, like, you know, needed to, but, like, they know where they're at. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's they the know the score. To, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the second to last B Block night, and, uh... You know and neither of them are winning, yes, yeah, Nada's <laughs> got six. Godo's got four. They're literally third from the top. They're in the literally in the middle of the card with you know fifteen minutes. They're just gonna go out there and you know do what they do and get get paid, go home. Like if there was a gambling site that would let me take all how many matches are usually in the June, like ninety one I think something like that. If you set this match as the barometer, as an over-under, and I just had to take what matches I thought would outperform this match and then what matches I thought would underperform it, I would make a lot of freaking money.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah, Sonata uh, ends up getting the win here over Goto. advances to eight points. Goto stuck at four points move on to the next match the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi he defeats Yoshihashi 14 minutes and 13 seconds
1: hey man someone called Gato like this is booking malpractice at this point everyone's clamoring for Yoshihashi to get a challenge for the red belt against the ace what are they doing out here
2: hey man Yoshihashi had his red belt challenge in 2018 (laughs) against who against Kenny
1: Oh, was that 2018?
2: Wow. And uh, Ring of Honor taping or pay-per-view No, I
1: remember, I remember it <laughs> happening. I'm just like, dang. No, not that Yoshihashi. I'm talking about the new Yoshihashi. <laughs>
2: the new and improved <laughs> Yoshihashi.
1: I actually heard a rumor that Yoshihashi died and they replaced him with a different wrestler. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I thought this was a very good match, very hard hitting matchup here. You know, Kanahashi, You know, he can time kind of mail it mail it in, but you know, Yoshihashi works hard every night, so this ended up being a pretty good matchup. Let me see what I went here on the stars. I went three point seven five on this. You have Any thoughts on this one, Dan? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was
3: fine. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was it was good, but it wasn't blow away or anything. I'm, it's, it's like a New Japan match we've seen a hundred times. So yeah,
1: yeah, but on the right stage, on the right night, with the right stakes involved, this could be a five-star epic. Like...
3: <laughs> yeah, could be, but it wasn't. So. <laughs>
4: this, is,
1: this match is dome-worthy. Like, Yoshiashi should have won, and then said, I'm coming for that red belt. And then, gone from there, you know? And then he wins it. And then hey. the next year, he wins the G1. And then next year...
2: <laughs> well, I mean, EVO won the title, so... I it <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, so moving on to the semi main event. Of the this was a very important matchup here with Jeff Cobb taking on evil. So Cobb was coming in with 14 points. Evil was coming in with 12 points, and this could have heavily affected the B block final night and could have let the door open for evil to potentially win the B block. But thankfully, Jeff Cobb, the savior of NJPW world subscriptions went out there he was able to overcome Evil and uh, Dick Togo and the togo And tore of the islands, man, he was able to put Evil away. One, two, three, you remain undefeated and Evil out of here. No shot of <laughs> winning this year.
1: And that um, puts Jeff Cobb and Rarefied Air, the only man to have gained this many points in the G1 ever in history.
2: Wow. Stats. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that's pretty crazy crazy to think about. That's that's never happened. But yeah, I mean, eight
1: is... eight wins back to back to back to back. You know,
2: yeah, dude. And like going into this, I was like, man, I cause I was unspoiled watching. I'm like, evil's gonna win, and they're gonna he's gonna get revenge from Sonata from last year. He's gonna beat Sonata on the final night. He's gonna go into the, the block final. You know, they're gonna push House of Torture. But I was like, pleasantly surprised when when Cobb tore the island, this man. See,
3: all Gato's booking paid off for you, right? You... <laughs> you were expecting the worst. You've been poisoned, and then, you know, you were pleasantly surprised. It was all yeah, worth it. Yeah, this was like an election. It was
1: the lesser <laughs> of two evils. We still had to go through a whole G1 or something pushed at the top.
2: Right, he's still ending. We still has 12 points at the end of this night. <laughs>
4: yeah, right.
2: <laughs> yeah, but thankfully, that Cobb was able to to overcome the, all the shenanigans and be evil and— Eliminate eophone tournament and Cobb moved on. And then the the main event here, Tamatonga defeating Kazuchika Okada, twenty four minutes and twenty five seconds.
1: So we, that- we should open the show with the audio of Tamatonga beating Okada. <laughs> <laughs> Did Kevin Kelly go? Do you believe in miracles? <laughs>
2: Uh, I don't quite remember his call, but yeah, the finish was Okada. I believe he was going for the landslide, uh, that landslide driver he's been doing in this tournament. And Tamma reversed it into the gun stun out of nowhere. One, two, three. Caught the Rainmaker off guard, was able to beat him. Big upset win here and really hurt Okada going into the final night. Dan, what do you think about this upset here?
3: It was pretty surprising. Um, I mean, I wasn't expecting it, and it creates drama for the final match between him and Cobb, um, where Cobb can just, like, you know, wear Okada out for 30 minutes and get the tie, and then he wins the block, right? So, I imagine that match will go to, like, 29-45, <laughs> 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 and then probably Okada will win. But, yeah, this is pretty surprising. Um, you're talking about Kevin Kelly. I don't know when I'll get another chance to do this like publicly but uh kevin kelly's been awesome during this g1 um and when charl charlton's been with him too he's been he's been excellent as well but like kevin kelly brings the excitement level up of these mendoza line matches <laughs> to where they, they're yeah. much more exciting right he he brings it every time and i just you know i, I think he's great yeah man he's a worker <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Double K, yeah, he's done a great job, especially those solo shows like you mentioned and in the clap crowd environment. Like, he, he's getting into it. He's, you know, giving you background. Also, our, our friend Chris Samsa feeding him stats. He's a lot of stats to talk about. And so, yeah, he's done a great job really telling the stories. And also, you know, one of the big stories here was, you know, Evil potentially winning and talking about, yeah, he feared that a lot of people would unsubscribe from New Japan World if Evil could win. Um, So a lot a lot of great a lot of stuff like that did a great job of, you know, telling the stories of. So, yeah. Kevin Kelly did a good job here, and Jeff Cobb did a great job here uh, getting get an, get an evil out of here.
1: Who better than K-Double? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> but, you know, that's the crazy thing, too, is, like, as things have progressed, I know I haven't been watching the G1, you know, um, live and everything like that, but I was pretty convinced with the way things were going that we were going to wind up with, you know, either a scenario where you know Okada went in undefeated on the final night and Jeff Cobb lost to evil kind of keeping everyone somewhat alive or um, or something like that I don't know exactly how that was gonna play out or I thought both those guys might go in into the final night undefeated so the right. idea like I really didn't think that Tama Tonga was going to to beat Okada like I don't know that Tama's ever had a singles win of this magnitude in his entire New Japan run. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't think we should take that too lightly or overlook it. Does it mean big things on the horizon for him long-term? I don't know if that's the case. Um, But in the short interim, I think that might be significant, especially hypothetically Okada ends up winning the G1. And the only guy that has a win over him is Tamatonga. That's going to speak volumes as to the implications and, for for the you know upcoming shows down the line with the like title challenges and you know briefcase well, defenses they stuff got like that.
3: Three nights of Wrestle Kingdom of Phil, so <laughs> that that too. And we don't
1: even know like you know initially when they announced how all this was gonna play out. I think with the titles being split quote unquote and the G one and everything, you know I had my scenarios. Jeremy had his scenarios. I'm sure everyone else did. Dan, you probably did. But then when they're like, there's three nights of, G- of Wrestle Kingdom. I've pretty much just thrown all my, like, booking out the window. I have no idea how they're going to actually book these three nights and what the G1's even going to – how the G1's going to play into all that, really. Right. right.
2: When, you, when you look back at previous G1s and you had only one Wrestle Kingdom, it was like, all right, this guy is going to main event the Tokyo Dome. So it, it, it really limited the guys who it's going to be. Like, who, who are they going to put in that dome to draw in this big title match? Cause it just can't beat anybody. Uh, but now, like you mentioned, we have three nights now, so it's like it's pretty much you know anybody can get a shot. Especially you know, we talked, we joked about it, but you know Evil Winning, you know they're they're doing a lot of interesting things in the main event, and you know with the new world title, we've seen guys like Abushi, Osprey, and Jingo really be elevated into that world title picture. Guys that really haven't been in that mix. So we're seeing a lot of new faces coming into the title picture. A lot of new main eventers getting chances. <laughs> Um, We saw guys like Sabre get a great run. Cobb's getting a monster run now. So with three nights, I mean, any of those guys could be be in the mix for those dome shows. And then, you know, with Tamotonga, this win here also has implications, I would think, for, you know, the Bullet Club Civil War storyline. You know, in the match, he he did use a Bloody Sunday on some of the the Bullet Club leader moves, and Kevin Kelly did kind of mention, you know, this was a similar kind of win to, you know, when, you know, Balor was facing Okada and uh, AJ facing Okada. And so, you know... Could Tamatanga finally kind of step up and be like, "No, like I should be the leader of Bull Club. I beat Okada. I shouldn't have to follow Evil. I shouldn't have to follow Jay White." Kind of like I was saying last week, we could get a new, a new wrinkle in this with having a third group split off with like the, the Tongans following uh, Tamatanga.
1: Nice. So that is going to take us into the finals of the A block. So before we discuss the A block finals, I know you guys are going to. Kind of go in depth with this, you know. Uh, we were talking to Chris uh privately, and he sort of started laying out the scenarios and essentially came up with, uh, if I counted correctly, about 16 different potential outcomes for the top four remaining guys, which were Abushi, Shingo, Kenta, and Zach Saber Jr., who all stood at 12 points and you know, through roundabout ways, had mostly wins over one another. So, the tiebreaker situation was kind of complex at that point. But to kind of give you this, you guys, the concise rundown of what everything meant going into the finals, um, an Ibushi win would eliminate Shingo and Kenta, and a Kenta win would eliminate Zack Sabre Jr. and Ibushi. Conversely, if Ibushi won, Ibushi would win the block in four out of eight scenarios, and the other four scenarios would go to Zack Sabre, depending on how things shook out. And if Kenta won in his match with Ibushi, Kenta wins the block in six out of eight of those scenarios, whereas two of the other ones were going to Shingo. So, you know, even though they all had similar point totals, Kenta had the most likelihood of winning the block based on if he won and if particular things went right for him. And then Shingo had the least amount of potential to win, and then it was kind of split half and half for Bushi and Zack Sabre. And it really... Like all through all four of those men's matches, uh, especially the one with Abushi and Kitz against one another, were going to be like the main determining factors as to who's going to win the block. Essentially,
2: yeah. So unlike the the B block night that's coming up, you know, there was a lot of matches here this night that were very important leading into who was going to win the block. And so let's go over the matches that happened on this night. So opening the show, we had a non-tournament match: the Great Okan defeated. Satoshi Kojima, 10 minutes and 25 seconds. A little rekindling of the United Empire versus Tenkoji feud that we got at the beginning of the year. I uh, thought it was a good little opener um, when 10 minutes didn't go along. thought both guys looked really good. Another great outing for the great Okan. And he ends his first G1 with uh, 8 points. So pretty good for uh, first G1 then we had the first tournament match of the evening we had Toriano defeating Tomohiro Ishii and you know this was actually a big match for Ishii this was his first time that he could have gone to 12 points in the G1 had he had beaten uh, Toriano
3: <laughs> why bro why do they have to do this rug pulled out from under right at the end yet again
2: <laughs> yeah man i was like man like this is a this is a winnable match for ishii like you could end with 12 like you know you, you would look back next year last year and you'd be like oh man ishii ended with 12 points maybe this could be his year next year nah left them where he's <laughs> normally at that that eight to ten point range uh could not outbeat the the antics of yano here yano had the the bag over the head the t-shirt over the head Turnbuckle pad off, uh, plenty of uh, schoolboys and uh, distracting the ref, low blows, all, all the gimmicks, you know. You would think Ishi, Ishi, <laughs> Ishi be- Yanoism. <laughs> yes, Yanoism. <laughs> you, know, you you would think that if, if, um, Ishi being his former tag partner, he would be prepared and, and you know, know how to you know, be ahead and beat this man.
3: Nope. <laughs> Fell for the same old tricks everybody does. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So yeah, Yana pulls out the win here. So both of those guys end the their, their tournament at 10 points. Now we get into the important matchups here. So first
1: I'm really sick of this 50-50 booking the new Japan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, so uh third matchup, Shingo Takagi and Yudro Takahashi ended in a double count out. Thirteen minutes and thirty-six seconds. You know, going into this match, people were like, you know, there's no way that they would pull that big of an upset of having Yujiro beat Shingo. But, you know, if Shingo wins, you know, that kind of changes some stuff up for who can potentially go into this block. So they did the kind of outside finish and doing a double countout, which led to a draw giving both guys one point. Uh, so Shingo ends with 13, Yujiro ends with five. Dan, what do you think about this match?
3: Did it give them both a point or did, was it considered a loss by both of them? They both get a point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they should have points taken away for that finish. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anytime I watch a shingle match, I want to see a good match. And this uh, just disappointment, man. Like, if the, they could have had him win and still not win the block. So i I don't know <laughs> this whole show was just weird to me. I don't know about how you guys felt about it, but it's just it just seemed not what I was expecting from the g one you know block final night,
1: yeah, I'm looking at the attendance eight hundred seventy four I'm looking at the cage match ratings, and I mean I'm seeing a lot of sixes and fives,
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, compared to your normal a block final night, this was not it. I mean, majority of the matches I went three and a quarter on. Uh, the Sabre match, I went 3.75 and the same with the Bushi-Kenton match. So not not the greatest night of action here, uh, but the, also, the, the most compelling thing that happened was just the scenarios of who was actually going to get through. And the whole thing here at the end, we you know um, Udro hit the pimp juice on the outside of Shingo and Kevin Kelly was selling that big. And, you know, they were teasing that Udro was going to win by count out. And then Shingo was able to get up and hit Yudro with the Death Valley driver on the outside. And, he was climbing back in, and it was like, 19? And then you Udrow <laughs> gra- grabbed his foot, 20. I was like, what? Uh, but and it, Bro, like-
1: what What year was Pimp Juice out? Was that like 2001?
3: Like 2002, somewhere around in there. Like 20 years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like a 20-year-old deal.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, the problem is you Udrow should have hit him with the, the big juice on the outside, <laughs> and he would have had enough yeah, time <laughs> to get back in. Uh, but I did kind of like just kind of like the calamity of this finish because like Chris Charlton didn't know what was going on. Kim Kelly didn't know what was going on. Like, the, even kind of the fans are kind of like kind of murmuring to themselves, kind of like you know, what what's who's getting points? Like what's happening? And like, you no, know, I, I think it's a draw or no no contest. Like what's happening? And then finally, it was ruled um, a draw. Uh, I mean, it wasn't no contest, it was a draw. So both men get one point. So that put Jingo at thirteen. Which uh, we know Ibushi and Kenta coming into their match, they were both at twelve. So if those guys had went to a no contest and got no points, that was pretty much Shingo's uh, only hope of going through, or less because even if they had drawn and they went to thirteen as well, um, Ibushi beat Shingo, so he had the tiebreaker over Shingo, so he would have gone through. So Shingo at this point was just hoping would have hoped for a no contest <laughs> for from the main event.
1: Najo Brown wrote as the show review on October 19th, 2021, he gave the show (laughs) 1.0 worst new Japan show in my memory. There are, there were no really terrible matches here, but absolutely every booking decision was just disgusting. I have an awful aftertaste after this show, a similar emptiness. I only experienced after last year's dominion (laughs) 1.0. I think we should start a new deal where we just start reading people's bad reviews on cage matches part of the
2: show. <laughs> the, the bad review of the week. <laughs> well, you know, we do have a lot a lot of people who are, are salty about booking decisions, and, and one of them comes here with this next matchup. So we had Tangaloa defeating Zach Sabre Jr. here. So if Sabre would have won this, he could have got 14 and potentially have won the block here. But Tangaloa was able to pull the... I don't know, I guess it's kind of an upset, but not really. When you think about, you know, the G.O.D. Dangerous Techers feud. Zack Sabre beat Tangaloa earlier on in the year. So this is Tangeloa getting his win back. Nah, um,
1: fuck all that. (laughs) Tangaloa ain't beat anybody of note ever as a singles guy for, like, his entire career. This is, like, his one only big win (laughs) ever. It's a huge upset. Like, ginormous.
2: It, it, It is, but when you look at the booking, it's like, all right. Taker's attack tag champs. You look at the A block, uh, where a B block, where Tamatonga beat Tai Chi early in tournaments. So clearly, they were setting up a tag title match, and it made sense to have Tam- Tangaloa here beat Saber because that's the direction they're going in.
1: I guess. I just, you know, I'm looking, I think this is something we kind of knew, though, going into this G1 when we looked at the cards up and down. You looked at the A block finals, and you're like, man that does not look that looks like a night 11 show and not a <laughs> night you know 17 show um and it played out like a night 10 or night 9 show um so i guess there's not really too many surprises there but you know the thing is they booked the shit so you know it's up to them to decide what who goes where when what and the other and you know it it's booking they booked this to be this way
3: well, how much do you think of it was booked beforehand, and how much of it was because of Naito's injury? Well, even
1: without Naito being gone, people still had complaints about this this uh, this night on paper anyways.
2: yeah, right. Naito would have been facing Ocon, which people are, are down on Ocon. That could have been like for the block <laughs> championship. <laughs>
1: you know? It probably would have played into it in some roundabout way, but that's what was going to happen. This was all going to be roundabout matches for the most part.
3: Right.
2: Yeah. And we did have a question here from Reddit user underscore stress underscore. Says this is 100% me being salty, Sabre lost. But do you guys think Gato's formulate formulate booking style could sometimes be detrimental? Sabre lost because, well, that's what happens when you start hot in the G1. That's how it goes. But in storyline, Sabre crippled Naito, tapped out the IWGP world champion, and beat the guy that has now gone on to the G1 finals four times in a row. He shouldn't be getting rolled up by tag wrestlers. Not after that, Staber still had the G one of his life and has a tile shot coming to him. But I guess my frustration stems from how recently Gato picks and chooses one to stick to his formula. We can hot shot evil, but we gotta take our time with an over better than ever ZSJ. I struggle to understand this, and again, I'm just a bit salty and mad that he lost. Still a great run. Thanks for the vent.
1: No, he said that the Mad lad lost. Oh, the Mad the lad mad lost. Lads. <laughs> Yeah, the Mad Lads. <laughs> Mad lads did it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of people that feel this way, you know. Um, You you know, there is a part of me that feels like they could have heated up Zach to go all the way and to to get pushed through, um, for sure. So, you know, sort of similar to, like, what they're doing with Cobb. I mean, it's a double-edged sword because, on the one hand, you, you can complain about the booking at the end and, you know, maybe it is formulaic and everything, but at the same time, you're also pointing out everything that they did give to him, all the big wins, all the big performances, all the main events, and, you know, the potential title challenge that is coming down the, down the road. You know, there is a, a part of me that thinks like, well, what if that title challenge never comes because that could happen mm. Especially if he's in, you know, if they do kind of slot him back into the tag division role, that title challenge that you think is coming for Shingo, or whatever, that might never happen. Right. That's I, where I think that could be problematic.
2: Well, the thing here is, like, you know, he said, you know, Tangos is a tag or Tangos is a tag wrestler, but unfortunately, like Zach Saber Junior. is a tag wrestler. He is part of the tag team champions right now, um, and you got World Tag League coming up. You, you got Power Struggle coming up. Like. You, you, he's still a tag champion. Like they were never probably going to go all the way with him as a, a tag champion. So he's still in this role. They're still getting ready to do this GOD feud. So uh, maybe if he went into this tournament without the title, I could probably be a little bit more upset, but knowing that he was one half a tag champs, like you had to figure that he was probably going to be slaughtered back in that role after this tournament.
1: But there's also the aspect where it's like, You know, the the reality is basically this. I don't think people are going to be happy one way or the other because if he wasn't going to win the block, like the only way people would have been happy is if he beat all these fools and won the block and went to the final. You know what I mean? Because it's like they had him beat all the overpowered guys in the block for the most part, all the big stars he beat. And then for him to not go through, that requires him to lose to some less than caliber talent if it was the other way around and he was just beating all the guys that you would expect him to beat, and then losing to the top tier guys, like he's done most years, people would be complaining about how he's being under pushed and underutilized. So it's like, um, it's damned. If you do damned, if you don't really with Zach in this situation, I think the only thing that would have made people happy is for them to take a chance on him and put him in the finals and go forward. And, and I'm not saying that that would e- even be a bad thing given, you know, what we're about to discuss, but, uh, I feel like that's what most people's opinion are on it, especially people that are really high on Zack Sabre in this situation. They wanted something fresh and new. They thought they were getting that with Zach and then kind of felt disappointed. But, you know, of all the, the possibilities, I feel like this might be the best one if he wasn't going to win the block because, again, he beat all the top guys in the block and he's getting a title shot. You know it, am I happy he lost to Tingaloa? no, but I mean, there is a silver lining here, and it'd be you'd be remiss if you didn't mention that there actually was one right I don't know Dan, what do you think
3: no i I agree with you guys like i mean he he has like he went through a murderer's row of some of the best wrestlers in New Japan i mean he can he's got lots of feathers in his cap, so it's not like he's completely crippled you know leaving this tournament um I don't. Is part of this because he's the Gaijin over there, and they're they're holding him back because of that. Maybe I don't know. Um, but he he's one of the Gaijin that's stayed over there and been through him, with him through thick and thin through this whole COVID thing. So you you would hope they would kind of reward him for that. But it doesn't. I mean, other than these wins, they're not. I don't know if they'll actually give him the title shot or not. We'll see. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, according to Cage Match, this was the match of the night anyway. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, this was a very fast-paced matchup because similar to the Yano match, like, Sabre was trying to get a, a quick win because he knew he needed a win here to, you know, keep his chances alive. And so, from the jump go, I mean, he was trying to get Tangelo a tap out. He had him in a octopus stretch, like, in the first few seconds of the match. Um, So, it was very high pace, and Tangelo has been uh, done, you know, pretty well in this tournament, uh, not being used to single competition and so he did really good here in this match with sabre keeping up with the, the high pace and Tangelo was doing some of the you know the european clutches and stuff like that and kind of keeping up with sabre so good stuff here um
1: is T- and- best singles match
2: um i would think so it would it either be this or maybe the abushi match hmm. uh but yeah you know with, with sabre I, I just think this, this G1, I know a lot of people might not see it, but I think this was an elevation. Like you mentioned, Josh, in previous years, he's kind of in that eight-point range. He's, you know, middle of the car. He's losing to a lot of the top guys. And you know, and since the New Japan Cup run in 2018, he really hasn't gotten a, a huge push like he's gotten in this tournament. So I think this is kind of a, a reheating, a, re-ele- a re-elevation of Zack Sabre Jr., I just think it's unfortunate right now. He's kind of stuck in the tag pictures. So maybe that's why they, didn't, why they didn't go all the way with him. But I definitely think, you know, beating Shingo and Naito and Ibushi, this is going to mean something, I think, going forward. And like we mentioned, there's three Wrestle Kingdom Knights. Like, you, you got to think he's going to be in the mix there. You also have Power Struggle coming up. Um, he's probably going to be in the World Tag League, obviously, as a as champions, but he could get a shot at Power Struggle. Um, maybe. At the, It's an elevation,
1: you know? Um, I mean, I'd be, you know, if this was me a few years ago, I'd be like, just trust Gato, you know? He's coming through and, you know, blah, 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 you know? And maybe I don't feel that way specifically, but it's clearly a higher elevation of him as a performer and as a character than he's been since the entire time he's been in New Japan, save for the one... New Japan cup that he won, you know? So I think people do have to kind of realize that. Do do I think it means he's going to be, you know, a top five or top six guy after this, a pillar? No, but you know, this puts him much more closely in line with your Kentas and your evils and guys like that. than it does, you know, I don't know, Yano or something like that.
2: Right. I think an interesting thing too, like with him kind of being like you mentioned, Dan, like the main guys in over there, we're kind of seeing him similar to like Osprey and Kenny like learning the language like he's cut he's talking more in Japanese he's cutting more Japanese promos and kind of really showing you know obviously living in Japan he's getting more he's been more kind of like a bay face kind of in this tournament depending on who he's going against so he could be kind of slotting in that kind of osprey Kenny path where like the the crowd kind of sees the him as one of their own and that that could help him with a push there
1: bro I'd get behind a baby face c s j Hardcore. Yes.
3: Just
2: freaking.
1: Maybe Tai Chi's going to turn on him in the <laughs> tournament. Nobody turns on anybody in Suzuki-gun. They're Suzuki-gun for
2: life. Yeah. You... They're Ichiban. Archer's no, still a member. <laughs> David Boy
1: Smith Jr. is still a member of Suzuki-gun.
2: Sh- Shelton Benjamin, still a member.
3: <laughs> Shelton X is yes. still a member. <laughs> for
2: life. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, let's talk about the, the big main event here. So with Tangaloa beating Zack Sabre, that was it for Sabre, and it all came down to the main event here. Both guys coming in with 12 points. The Golden Star, Kota Abushi and Kenta, 26 minutes and 16 seconds. The Golden Star, Kota Abushi he does it again. He's able to overcome and defeat Kenta, making his fourth final appearance. This is crazy. What did you well, – I know you probably didn't see the match, Josh, but, Dan, what do you think about the match?
3: I thought it was great. Um, got, there was some uh, shenanigans by Kenta in it, but I I was probably – I thought it was Kenta's best match of the tournament probably. Um, there there was some <laughs> extended 19 counts in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A little home cooking maybe for uh, Koto Ibushi in there. The but no, in. I thought it was great. Um, that table
2: spot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like,
3: <laughs> I was I was watching it live that morning. because uh, you know, I usually wake up early and when this stuff's on I'll I'll watch like the main event and then I'll go back and watch the other stuff later in the day. And I like I like audibly gasped, you know, in my living room at like six AM or whatever, like, Oh my gosh, he's really going for it with that table like folded up like that. And then he hit, you know, he hit he landed and I was like, Oh my god, he just killed Kenta. <laughs>
2: yeah. Josh, did you see any gifts or videos of this table spot? No. Uh, so essentially, Abushi um, has Kenta on the table on the outside. And he's going to the top and he's going to do some, you know, jump off and come through the table. Well, the table, like, goes down with Kenta from Kenta's weight. And so like, the table's just kind of angled there with, like, Kenta on it. And Abushi's like, screw it. I'm still going Right gonna...
3: against the railing. Yeah.
2: Abushi's <laughs> <laughs> like, screw it. I'm still going to jump on him anyway. And, <laughs> and freaking It's <laughs> like, hey, it's 30 <laughs> minute time limit. I got to get this in now. <laughs> yeah doesn't set the tail back up just freaking does just jumps and just lands on Kenta that on like the angled table it was a crazy bump
3: i i couldn't believe neither one of them got hurt it, it was I, I was like oh my god
2: well you know us
3: pro
1: wrestlers we're built different you know <laughs>
2: <laughs> well josh i remember you telling that story about you taking the, the the bump off the apron to the floor and you're just like oh my god like <laughs> that, that. So i can yeah. only imagine like abushi doing a body splash to the floor on an angle table on kenta i'm like geez
1: (laughs) yeah and keep in mind that like literally the the ring that i was jumping off of was a low boy ring like probably only like maybe a foot and a half two feet off the floor (laughs) and i was jumping onto a giant padded uh crash pad (laughs) but i hit it so hard that like well you know i'm like i was probably like 240 at the time so <laughs> <laughs> it just sucked
2: <laughs> yeah i'm sure kenta was not was not happy that abushi went through with that uh that was that was a painful spot there uh, but like you mentioned... I've,
1: I've got the best review of this match once you guys are done. It's it's, <laughs> it's a promo, bro. Uh,
2: for me, like I, I thought there was a little bit too much shenanigans for me to put it in the notebook. I went 3.75. And like you mentioned, Dan, there's a, a lot of long 19 counts. It was like 19. Wait a minute. All right, he's in. <laughs> uh, you know, Kenta, he tried to get Abushi trapped in the backstage area, and he was trying to get the count-out win, take the easy... Way out. I was really hoping that we would see more of what we saw in the Zack Sabre match of Kenta, where he was just very vicious, you know, very st- hard striking the whole match. There was very uh, minimal shenanigans in that matchup. But I mean, once they turned it up, I mean, Kenta was slapping the crap <laughs> out of Abushi in this closing streak of the match here. Uh, great Psycho knee for a near fall. Uh, but then Abushi uh, was able to come back, B trigger uh, Kamagoa to the front, Kamagoa to the back, and was able to beat Kenta.
1: That's a very suspect what you just said. So they gave him a lot of long counts and slow counts, but they didn't seem to give that same kind of courtesy to Shingo earlier in the night. So, you know,
2: what's the deal there? Well, you know, there are there have been two new referees on this tour. I, mm. I think one of the new refs might have been that Chingo match and didn't realize, you know, you give them like 19 and a half before. You, know, you don't just go straight to 20. You give them a little time to... Get in there. It's like
3: LeBron James and traveling, right? You just <laughs> kind of let some stuff go.
2: Yeah.
1: Did they look like her Earl Hebner or Dave Hebner?
2: <laughs> no. <The>
1: third Hebner. <laughs> so, uh, Wuzong Shen wrote Kota Ibushi in the final four years in a row. Is there really no? He, he wrote, four years in a roll. Four years in a roll? Is there no one available rolling, in, rolling. in New Japan Pro Wrestling? He is already 39. Where is the future of this company? Why can't they just give a chance to ZSJ or Ishii? Besides, the, the matches suck too. I never thought there would be a representative decision match boring like this one between Ibushi and Kenta. Is there anyone out there that still believes in Kenta? It sucks. It just (laughs) sucks. If New Japan no longer has exciting matches, then why would I still care about it? This company is already all capitals, rusted from inside to outside. I used to be a fan of New Japan, really. But now it just makes me feel disgusting.
2: (laughs) That sounds like our review of Evil winning the title.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know, like I'm not like the happiest that they they're going with the Bushy again, but I kinda get it. But at the same time, like, how can anyone be this carry this energy for when where where was this energy last year when evil was fucking up the main event scene? You know
3: what I'm saying? <laughs> So wait a minute. In this review, they said uh, Coda's 39. Why are we going with someone so old? And then for an alternative, they say Tomohiro Ishii, who's 45?
1: <laughs> <laughs> or Zach. Or Zach.
3: Right. Okay. Yeah, and... Can, I mean, I like it... their olds on top idea. That's great. I'll go for that. But... Are you allowed to thumbs up people's reviews on here? I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> no. how, come,
1: how come these guys that are giving 1.0s to the show review are not getting, like you know, anti-New Japan bias, like, warnings like you did. I don't know.
3: (laughs) Tell the listeners what happened, Dan. Well, I, like, I hardly ever rate anything on there, and usually I only rate things I like, but there was, was, I forget which NXT match. Oh, it was Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes, right? It was that, like, zombie match or whatever the hell it was. (laughs) And I gave it one star, and then I I went into cage match one day, and, like, I couldn't do anything, and there was a notice saying... (laughs) You know, you're you're on a six month probation for your clear anti WWE bias. I'm like, what? Like, I never rate anything, and that match sucked. Like, all the other ratings were bad. Like, I don't know. You know Striga, I got caught if by list- some, if some bot.
1: It, it was Striga. He he literally like you know went after you
3: personally. I guess. So I barely rate anything on there anymore. I'm scared. <laughs>
2: Dylan Fox, talk to your boy. Yeah, Dylan, what's going on here?
0: (laughs) At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose parker engineering your success
2: (laughs) but you know josh reading that review you you brought up a hot topic man there are a lot of people upset you know enraged by the golden star going into the final yeah hurt (laughs) (laughs) hurt business Uh, (laughs) yes the fans feel punished by by this decision we had several questions here uh Ready to use a raising falcons. I really don't feel hyped by Abushi winning his block. Do you feel Abushi winning a block was a, was too safe of a choice? From the show, Rich Lada, Kota Abushi getting turned on, justified or nah? And Dom Homie one on one thoughts on the backlash from the fans due to Abushi making the finals for the fourth straight year. In my opinion, I don't have a problem with it due to the fact that I see New Japan want to do a big time match for the G1 finals due to a weaker G1 lineup in Okada vs Abushi. It's the biggest match. G1 final match that you could do at this point the story writes itself with Abushi trying to 3 against the ace of the company that's on the climb back to the top
1: yeah that's true and you know what um, the alternative there's a story there as well we saw an incredible match between Kota Ibushi and Jeff Cobb just this past year and I don't know if you recall but when we reviewed that match I said that Abushi didn't beat Jeff Cobb he survived him and that's basically how I saw it and we both agreed at the time that they probably have a bigger you know and better match in them down the road who knows I'm not I'm not saying that I'm expecting Cobb to win but Cobb versus Abushi could also be a hot ticket match as well you know
2: right Dan what are your thoughts on Abushi on going into the finals for year in a row
3: I mean I'm not too surprised by it he's like, one of the best wrestlers in the world, so why wouldn't you want him, you know, to be a <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom main event, um, maybe down the road, you know, depending on if he beats Okada or Jeff Cobb. I don't have any problems with it. I love his matches. I love watching him. Uh, I, I think he's great. Uh, I can see how some people would want maybe them to elevate, like, Zack Sabre Jr. or whatever. But, like, Abushi's a known quantity. You know he's going to bring it when he comes up there. And I I don't know... Like, I don't know the metrics in Japan, like if Ibushi sells more tickets, like if he's in a main event or something, but I'm sure that plays some part of it as well, right?
2: Yeah, and that's something I mentioned sure. in, in a group chat that, that we're in. You know, there there are some people kind of talking about, yeah, you know, why didn't they go with Saber? Why didn't they go with Ibushi? They're probably going with Okada. Why are not they go with you know, a fresh matchup? And I'm like, at the end of the day, like, they have to do what draws. They right. know that Ibushi versus Okada – can draw. Also, we have to wait and see if Okada's going to win. But I'm pretty sure Okada's going to win. So, they know that Ibushi versus Okada can draw. It's an incredible matchup. Uh, they haven't wrestled each other in a singles match, I think, since... Tw- I think it was, was it last year that they were in the G1 again. Um, so, they haven't wrestled each other since last year. So, it's a, a pretty protective matchup. It's going to draw. And, you know, they're in a pandemic time where they're, they're trying to recoup from money. They haven't had full houses, like... When you're down, you you put the belt back on the ace. Okada hasn't been in right. the title mix in a while. He hasn't won a G1 since 2014. Like, this this is a time to, you know, reheat Okada and get business up. When they made the most money, Zuchka Okada was the world champ and was in the middle of that incredible reign. So they need some stability. They need somebody that's going to help increase business and get business back, especially with, you know, the state of emergency being lifted and japan being doing great in vaccinations like pretty soon we're probably going to see the capacity levels raise, and you need people who are going to draw and so that that's why i think they're they're going this route with fibushi and okada
1: yeah there's a honestly there's a lot to kind of unpack here a lot of talking points and you know different thoughts um one thing i will say is right now the company is in a down period there's no denying that a lot of it Mostly has to do with you know the constraints and hardships c- brought on by COVID, you know, and we've heard good news about some of the COVID numbers and things like that in the country. So that's good news. Maybe that's a, a sign of things to come. Hopefully, um, we're starting to turn the corner on this thing over there. So that would be great. Um, but you know, regardless of all that, you know, we can make our arguments for what's best for business and what the company and what the bookers are thinking, but. If the fans and the viewers are not happy, then they're not happy. You know, we can make our logical arguments all day, but people are not happy about it, you know? And I don't think it's necessarily that people don't like Ibushi, although I've always said I don't think he's ever gotten to that tip top tier that he should get to. You know, he's kind of always just that sort of eluded him. Um, I think it's just the fact that, like, this is his fourth time in the finals, you know, four years is a really long time to go with the same guy over and over and over again. Even if you like the guy, Uh, I can't think of any performer, no matter who it is that you put in the top spot of, of a G one climax for four years running and people being happy about it, not, shingo not ishii not kenny omega not okada not naito not tanahashi like there, i can't think of a single soul that people would be stoked on so i don't even really blame abushi so much as just the booking you know that it probably wasn't a wise idea to do this to be honest but from a business standpoint i do get why they're probably doing it um the other thing too is like you kind of have to look at the two sides of Ibushi. There's the the, the post and the pre-pneumonia. Uh, you know, pre-pneumonia, this guy came into the year, headlined Wrestle Kingdom, unified the belts, became the first ever world champion, you know, kind of carried the company on his back in the early part. And then, you know, after losing the belts and, and things like that, had the pneumonia scare and hasn't really still been quite the same performer. I know I haven't seen all the G1, but... Looking at the ratings, this it hasn't necessarily been a classic Koda Ibushi G1, you know that we're used to seeing, and that might also play into why people feel this way, you know. Yeah. That being said, that being said, people are complaining about them not doing something fresh, not doing something new. But look at all the guys that they've gone with in this year's G1 that they've elevated or that they've given big wins to, or the very fact that Shingo Tagagi is the world champion or the fact that Will Ospreay won the world title this year, or the fact that Kota Ibushi an outsider was the guy that unified the belts became the first world champion. Like they have done a lot of fresh things in this company this year. It's just less people are watching the product and the atmosphere isn't the best, you know? Um, Am I happy that it's Ibushi going into the finals? No, because there's not very many outcomes that I think play favorably booking. I think the storyline makes logical sense, but I'm not, like, stoked about it, especially given his run of matches this year uh, or in this G1. But um, that's pretty much my analysis. I'm trying to go at it from all sides and, you know. But I think people do need to reel it in a little bit. I think some of the outrage is a little overblown because, again – what was the alternative? You know, I guess you could go with Zach, and that would have been great, but they didn't do that. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you brought up a good point about the the match quality this year. Uh, yeah, also they've been telling the story, whether it's a story or actually Abushi still trying to recover. Clearly, Abushi was not like you mentioned; it wasn't the classic Abushi G one. Um, you know, he like the ECE match was disappointing compared to previous E matches, and. Just, yeah, you look at the star ratings, well, I, even look at my own star ratings, I'm like, yeah, he did not have as many great matches as he probably had in previous. So I'm sure that, that leads Neither to did it. Ishii. Right, that too, yeah.
1: Which is, those are like your top two guys for years and years and years, and neither of them had the type of G1 they typically have. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like age or, you know, maybe just the atmosphere, you know? Yeah.
2: I'm, I'm sure both of those probably had something to do with it. Um, but we
1: got a question here from someone with an incredible, incredible username, (laughs) pussy destroyer, eight, three, six, one, nine asked us, didn't like how the a block ended. If Okada really wins the B block, then it feels like new Japan doesn't like to take risks. It's always the same people at the top. This G one was particularly interesting due to ZSJ, Kenta and Cobb having really outstanding runs. It's people you don't typically see dominating the NJPW scene. Sure, they might get title matches and the main event every full moon, but you know they're a ceiling for those types of wrestlers. This G1 felt like they were doing away with those ceilings, but it just ended up being Ibushi winning again. We've already seen this, and maybe that won't go too far, the story if he's going to win it three times, but I'm just not engaged for it. Hoping Cobb wins B block because if Okada wins, it will feel the same way as Ibushi winning A block. I'd be way more excited for abushi versus Cobb than abushi versus Okada. I know NJPW likes to slow burn through character development storylines, but I feel they need to be more flexible. How do you feel about this sentiment, and do you think talent wise and storyline wise New Japan is stagnating?
2: Well, I think you kind of touched on on some things with this question earlier, Josh. I, I think you know, like you mentioned, I think they have done some new and fresh things this year. You know, we had the United Empire kind of form and launch there. They were pushing Will Osprey in the mix. We had Kota Ibushi, Shingo. I mean, previous to COVID, I would have never thought Shingo would have been the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Like, I always thought he was going to be a never guy, you know, maybe in IC before they, they merged that. But you have a guy like Shingo uh, in the main event. And so... Like you said, they they have been trying and, and doing some new, fresh stuff. You know, they had the Osprey shingo rivalry. I mean, they elevated that junior rivalry into a heavyweight rivalry. Those are two guys that were, you know, made, made the best of into Super Juniors, and now they're fighting over the world title. Um, so I do think they are trying to, to do some new stuff. They are trying to elevate some of these guys that are, are the top wrestlers. Uh, but again, look, less people are watching. There's less buzz. So people are probably missed out on some of the – changes and stuff that they were trying to do this year and then again it's kind of storyline versus business at the end of the day like they are still trying to recoup they have to figure out what's going to be best for business but also make storyline sense like you said storyline wise it does the story tell of abushi trying to recover um from pneumonia and doing something that nobody's ever done before and, and you know like again like they're trying to make Abushi special and they're still like you mentioned like he's still not that level so they're, they're trying to give him stuff to get him to that level and so being a guy sounds
1: like Roman Reigns
2: <laughs> acknowledge <laughs> Bushi.
1: acknowledge me <laughs>
2: um so yeah I just think that they're, they're trying to get to that next level to try and get him as a, a top guy and so this is their way of doing it
3: yeah I just I feel like um you know just like you guys said it's like business versus storylines um they have to go with what makes money but like you said they've done some experimenting which maybe will pay off in the long run like we've said a million times they've got three nights of wrestle kingdom to fill and they've got shows after that so maybe what they're doing with like this cob run and this zsj run is that they're kind of testing the waters to see if these guys have it in them to main event later on Um, maybe they're seeing the reaction to you know, the positive reaction these guys are getting with the runs and maybe that will pay off for them and beyond wrestle kingdom. Right.
1: Yeah. That's a great point. You know um, it's just because your favorite guys aren't in the finals of the G one doesn't mean that it's lost on management and lost on the bookers as to the upside with them and the potential that they have, you know? Um, And I think that that has been highlighted throughout the G one, the guys that they have pushed like Jeff Cobb doing something historically that nobody has ever done in the history of the G one, whether they were domestic gaijin doesn't matter. It's never happened before. So there's that, um, dominance. And then you look at Zack Sabre jr and what he did going through literally the the murderers row of of the, you know, company and like just fucking everybody up. And I mean, (laughs) There's a lot that has come out of this G1. But you know, the funny thing is he mentioned early on he was like this company doesn't like to take risks. And I'm like, yeah, we've been saying that for f- almost four years now. And this is not a new sentiment or, you know, the very fact that there's a new Japan strong in America going on where guys from all the other companies in in North America, not named WWE, get to work together and that they have working relationships with AEW. That's like mind blowing <laughs> because that's not the kind of thing you'd expect from a conservative company like New Japan. Yeah, they're extremely conservative. So, you know, you take a company that's conservative, you take a, a fantastic booker like Gato, but he's also formulaic. And then you, you throw all of the different things that have come up against them over the last two or three years. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to, like, cap for them, but a lot of other companies wouldn't be in doing as well as New Japan has done, given, you know, the circumstances. So, I don't know. Um As far as, like, you know, the sentiment, I think most people looked at this G1 on paper and knew it was not going to be that great, you know? that That's just the bottom line. I think that they, they've done some unique and some interesting things. There have been some good matches, but... At the end of the day, when we kind of previewed this G1, we looked at it, and the feeling was pretty much the same across the board. There was not a buzz. There was not excitement. Not in the same way that there was last year when that all-time B block was you know, out there. And I think you kind of almost have to look at this G1 and just say it's a little bit of a wash. you know. And the thing that people are, are forgetting about throughout all of this is that we have no fucking clue what those three nights of G1 are going to be like, what they mean, and what the build from now till then is going to look like. Now, could they mishandle it and botch it? Yeah, they could. I'm not telling you it's going to be fantastic. But there's a lot of possibility there for them to do something great, especially if the crowds are coming back, if the constraints are being lifted. Because as soon as we get the talent from North America coming back, and as soon as we have the clap crowds gone and people can make noise again, there, there is an end to this, you know, storm. You know, there's light at the end of the tunnel
2: for sure. Testify.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it's just true. It's not like that's not a cap thing. Like, it's just the fact of the matter is like, you know, we can identify what the issues in the company are very easily and we can see that they're not going to be here forever and when they do go away the company that for better or for worse is still the best in-ring product in in the world and that's not like a you know a fanboy saying just go look at the ratings they put on the best in-ring product bar none night in and night out they just do and once you put them in the right element and give them the right talent they're gonna be fine.
2: Yeah, I mean, I 100% absolutely agree with you. I mean, New Japan this year, obviously not the best year, but you look at some of the top-end stuff. You look at Tanahashi, Shingo, Shingo, and Osprey. their title matches, uh, the Ibushi-Naito matches, the Cobb-Shingo. Like, there's been a, a, a plethora of great matches this year. You look at New Japan strong, what they're doing over there, and, like, you just know, once things are back to normal, like, this company's going to be rocking and rolling again.
1: The only other thing I will say, and then we can move on, is... I understand that there are people who don't want Okada at the top again, right? They uh, they feel like he's overpushed or whatever. But like, the company has never been better than when Okada was at the top, <laughs> <laughs> like the glory years, the, the the times that people are clamoring for, that they want to go back to, that they wish, you know, the Renaissance period. The guy that was at top was Kazushiko Okada. The guy that was having the best matches, you know, period, was Kazushiko Okada. And um, he's never won. He hasn't won the G1 since, like, what, 2013?
2: I think 2014. 2013,
1: 2014. Uh, You know, we're talking about a seven-year, eight-year drought for this guy. So, I mean, it's not like he's going out there and he's in the finals four years in a row like Kodobushi. It's not like that. And he's also never held this... IWGP world heavyweight title. It is a prize that he's never attained before. I understand it's the top title and he's held that plenty of times and set records, but it's a new goal. It's a new story and and everything like that. So, and who's to say he's even going to win it? Like, you know, people are acting like it's a foregone conclusion. Like, you know, you don't know, like for me, do, am I going to be upset about seeing the best wrestler maybe of all time headlining big matches and big shows no, I'm not going to, you know, complain about that. (laughs) You know, if you would rather see, I'm sorry, but like I just can't think of anyone else in the company outside of Shingo or Will Ospreay that you can give me as a name that you think is better or more deserving to be at the top than Kazuchika Okada. I don't know, like I don't want to like shit on the viewers, but like I would rethink my opinions because he is the best. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but I mean – this guy's got more highly rated matches than anybody else in the history of wrestling and he's still in his early 30s. Like, I don't know what we're even t- complaining about.
2: Dan, what are your thoughts on uh cuz he's Okada? Uh I just hope he gets away from the money clip.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the one thing, you know. Yeah, I I I, I, I lately his matches are, are not up to Okada levels maybe because of that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, like you said, Josh, I'm not going to be upset if one of the greatest wrestlers of all time is, you know, headlining shows all the time. Like, why would you be upset about that? I I don't understand.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, you know, in that where it's when Cena was always a champion and people would complain, you know, why are they putting the belt on Cena again? And it's like, well, kind of the same thing for business purposes. But, you know, his matches were nowhere near as great as Okada's matches uh, in ring-wise. Right. I mean, Cena still had good matches. When you compare, like, in ring work, it's like, I would definitely, I would love to have a, a guy like Okada that's going to be ha- having these bangers as a champion night in and night out. Uh,
1: Peace on ninety one said i was live in attendance for the a block final night and i was surprised to see that the building was only half full in my section there are many empty seats around me do you think the lack of a big crowd is a sign of a lack of interest in the product locally i recently went to a similar level show startups five-star grand prix in that same venue yokohama budokan and the attendance numbers were much higher on that day i don't think you can say it's because of covid as these days the coronavirus case numbers in japan are down to only triple figures there were only 425 cases on 1018, and most people, like myself, are fully vaccinated now. What can New Japan do to try and fix the current sense of nadir around the product? Um, I, I, you know, I'll start. Uh, this, I, I agree. I don't think it's necessarily indicative that the product is down as a whole completely, although I, I do think it's a key indicator. But um, look at the card. You know, this wasn't a card that you'd look at on paper and be like. Oh shit, what a sexy <laughs> A block final. I've gotta be there. you know like it, it's really not. So I'm not surprised. Well, it, also historically the A block always under like usually does significantly less numbers than the B block and the G1 climax finals do. It just always does. But then you kind of combine all the factors and the fact that attendance has been down across the board. And, you know, and all any other number of issues that we've kind of discussed, and yeah, I I agree with you, PSA ninety one. But if you had loaded up that show with incredible matches and compelling, you know, you know, like outcomes as far as you know what the scenarios would have been going into the block final, I think we'd be talking about it, be having
2: a different discussion as far as the attendance goes. What do you think, Dan?
3: Uh, I think. It, the the COVID's had a lot to do with it, and now that apparently Japan's taken this huge turn that I wasn't even aware of until a couple of days ago. Last I heard about Japan was like they were all resistant to get the vaccine, and there's a lot of problems. And now it's like a 180. Like almost everybody over there is vaccinated. Um, hopefully they'll be opening up their borders soon, so they can start bringing in, you know, so Will Osprey can can travel back and forth a lot easier. Jay White. Um, and then bring in some of these people from like AEW or, or impact or, you know, have some people come over there for some of these shows. Uh, I think that will bring a lot more fans in. I, I, hopefully, uh, I, I don't know if maybe like, like this, this mid G one. Hopefully, like the fans will come back after this. You know, hopefully, Evil didn't like. You know, <laughs> just it didn't ruin the fans at home. Like he was getting ready to ruin all the uh, New New Japan World subscriptions. <laughs> um, I hope the fans aren't uh, <laughs> harboring resentment about that turn. Um, but yeah, it makes a big difference. I know it makes a big difference for me when I'm watching these shows. And it's clap crowds, and you see a bunch of empty seats in the back. It's just kind of like uh, – it's, it's tough to watch sometimes, especially yeah. when you go back in the archives in the New Japan world, and you watch some of these old shows with just packed houses with molten hot crowds. And then you turn on today's G1, and it's
2: like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Yeah, Jay, I am curious what has kept you sticking around, because I know a lot of people in our circle have kind of dropped New Japan and really don't watch, but you've kind of been sticking through and watching all the shows. What's been, like, the key thing that's kind of kept you hooked in?
3: Uh, you know, it's the main guys. Like, I still love watching Shingo wrestle. I still watch, love watching Tomohiro Ishii beat the shit out of people, right? <laughs> it's like, that That doesn't get old to me. Um <laughs> this might be a weird thing too but another thing is i wake up really early in the morning and a lot of these shows are on live when i wake up like and it's quiet at my house and i can just turn on a show and watch it you know while i'm like hanging out eating my breakfast and drinking coffee getting ready for work or whatever so that that's kind of weird for me but like what I, a, I, I what a, still what a enjoy life it. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. dude has got it made <laughs> no i i still enjoy it um i Listen, this is gonna be fanboyish, but like you guys keep me involved. Like I listen to your show every week. You guys still keep the passion going, and I and that uh, it affects me because when you guys are passionate about the project, I'm passionate about the project. I I mean, there's stuff that I'm not thrilled about right now with it, but. I mean, look at the alternatives in some of the other companies, right? I've, I've completely stopped watching <laughs> certain large American promotions, basically. <laughs> um, so th- there's no – they're they're not nearly, you know, falling off like, like some of those have. Um, so I still enjoy watching it.
2: Yeah, and, uh, Josh, I thought you made a good point to a PSAN's question. Uh, you, you look at this, it's A Block final card, and it's just like, yeah, it's – not. Like, you could have thrown this on a corking haul. Maybe you could have, you know, sold out corking with this card. But, you know, the A block final night, like, you expect a little bit more heat uh, coming into this. And so.
1: This would have been, like, a perfectly fine Hino Kuni. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or, or New Japan Road.
1: <laughs> yeah, just Road. No, what's the other one that happens around Hino Kuni that's also weird? Uh, like, on that. The, like, they got. They got weird ones on that, like one stretch of the year. That's like, why do you have these weird D level like shows out of nowhere?
2: Yeah, there's another one it was like Satsumi Nokuni. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah,
1: Satsumi Nokuni. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. And so I I think once they they're able to get so the the restrictions lifted up, and also we're getting ready to build towards Wrestle Kingdom season. Also, I think we got World Tag League and Super Juniors. I don't think those shows are probably going to be a huge draw with both of those being single block tournaments, and who, you know who knows who's going to be in that freaking <laughs> both of those tournaments. Um, but I think once we get into that build Wrestle Kingdom season, and I mean right now we have a who's being Chingo, we got Saber who's being Chingo, and Okada's probably going to beat uh, win the block. You have three top guys for Ch- towel challengers right there. I think they can build some stuff compelling for Wrestle Kingdom season.
1: So that's going to do it for uh, coverage of that night. So A block, the point totals records include forfeit wins. So Kotabushi is the winner of the A block at 14 points. And then underneath him, Shingo Takagi, 13 points. Kenta with 12. Zach Sabre Jr. with 12. Toriyano with 10. Tomohiro Ishii with 10 points. Great Khan with eight points in his first G1. Tingaloa, six points in his first G1. Yujiro Takahashi with five points. And then the loser of all losers, <laughs> Tetsuya Naito, zero points, zero wins, nine <laughs> straight losses back to back to back. They're all in the record books. He withdrew because of a knee injury, quote unquote, forfeited eight of his matches. So uh, Naito, down bad. Lij, down
3: bad.
2: Tranquilo you know, in the mud.
3: <laughs> in the bed. Is a, It's a grift. <laughs> Throw him in the bin and sing doo
2: wop around him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, the schedule coming up um, G1 Climax 31 Night 18. That's Wednesday uh, morning. That's coming up probably after this, just after this show drops. Uh, we have the B Block Finals. Everyone is eliminated except for the two gentlemen in the main event. Uh, but, real quickly, the card Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi take on uh, Oiwa and Fujita, tag team action. We got Tanahashi against Tai Chi. Goto against Tamatonga, Yoshihashi against Chase Owens. That might be good, actually.
2: That that could a, be that could be good. I yeah. got
1: a sneaking feeling that those guys are going to like lay it all on the line because it's like the B block final. Um, in the semi main event, Sonata versus Evil, and then the main event um, to determine the B block winner. You've got Kazushko Kata sitting at fourteen points, taking on Jeff Cobb, who has sixteen points. The winner of that match. Will be the B block winner.
2: And then that winner will face Kota Abushi on Thursday morning at 5 a.m. So, guys, who we got? Who you, who you think is taking the B block? Is it going to be Okada or Jeff Cobb?
1: Uh, well, the, the uh, interesting thing, too, just talking about the scenario. So if Okada beats Cobb, they're tied at points. He wins the tiebreaker. He wins the block. If Cobb wins, obviously Cobb wins the block. But in any other circumstance that would result in any sort of draw, like a time limit draw, a double countout, no decision, anything like that, Jeff Cobb automatically wins that tiebreaker. And that's what makes this situation unique is that if they do go 30 minutes, Cobb wins automatically, even if he doesn't beat Okada.
3: Yeah. So so what's the stop Jeff Cobb from dragging Okada out of the ring and just like laying him out and sitting on him for the count out?
1: Like um, well, right as
3: soon as the match starts.
1: <laughs> well, a couple things. A, hopefully Okada's ring awareness and his, you know, generalship um and his will to fight and survive. Also his Jeff Cobb's fighting spirit. <laughs> the other thing is maybe Cobb's pride and hubris potentially. Um and then finally the booker who decides this sort of shit? <laughs> I don't know if you know this, uh, Dan, but wrestling—it's at work. Uh... <laughs> you telling me this now? <laughs> Nothing infuriates people more than like when they're when you're discussing something, then you you explain to them that wrestling's
3: not real. They get really pissed. <laughs> uh. No, I'm back. hoping it goes like close to 30 minutes, um, and they tease the uh, time limit draw, and then that's that's
1: what I'm thinking,
2: right? Yeah, and we've seen the time limit draw teased out a lot, especially towards the beginning of the tournament with a lot of the big guys in the tournament, especially I mean, we saw Kato and Hashi. So they've been teasing the, the draw, and also that's going to come into play here for this matchup.
1: You know. um I'm not saying they will do this, but it's not really outside the realm of possibilities that they do go to the draw and maybe do your classic WCW television title match, you know, finish where Okada's hitting him with that Rainmaker and he covers him a little too late and mm. one, two, and the match ends. And Okada had that visual victory, but. Cobb wins the block undefeated, you know, and now they got to run it back sometime between now and, and wrestle kingdom. That is a possibility.
4: Yeah.
3: But I'm looking forward to 15 minutes of the money clip.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought he kind of went away from that. Has he been utilizing it too much in this tournament? No,
3: he hasn't been like spamming it like he used to, but he still pulls it out every once in a while.
1: I'm expecting Okada and Cobb to go out there and have a great, close to 30 minute match obviously I think with Jeff Cobb not that he can't go 30 minutes obviously can but the longer the match goes I think the more it is in favor of Okada just in terms of stats and you know storyline and I hope Okada gets him you know puts him away with you know just maybe a minute maybe a little bit less than that left to go and you know picks up his G1 win and we're off to the races
2: Dan who you going with?
3: Oh, I think Okada's is going to win. Close, uh, yeah, just like you know, forty-five seconds left, thirty seconds left. I think it's going to be a great match. I make my jokes about trash, but <laughs> I think it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I'll probably wake up early and watch it tomorrow.
2: That's, yeah, I'm. I'm also going to go uh, with Okada getting the win, pretty much for a lot of the reasons we said earlier. I think him and is going to be a you know a great drawing main event with a one-day notice. I think it's going to be an great matchup and so yeah
1: part of my feeling about all this too is that you know ultimately look knowing that abushi is the guy that they're gonna be standing across it on paper it makes a lot of sense to do abushi and okada as a g1 final they've never done that as a g1 final but they have wrestled each other in big wrestle kingdom matches and other you know like match stage matches um So it's not like they're burning a match that they haven't done before, which is smart. Um, But on the flip side of it, if it does end up being Cobb against Ibushi, I think Cobb has to win. And that would be what only the second gaijin to have ever done it, and if that were to happen, he'd be the only person in history to do it undefeated. So fuck you, Kenny. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a part of me that's like, what if there is like that saltiness? Like they, what if they've turned the corner on Jeff Cobb and they really like want to go that way? Also, what kind of implications would that have for say Will Osprey and the health of the United Empire? So there is like, there's the chaos. You know, lover and me that kind of wants them to go that way just because I'm like I have no clue what happens if that's the way they go and for everyone complaining about doing fresh new things that would be super new super fresh but I think they are going with Okada honestly
2: yeah that that United Empire you no know, wrinkles a great thing you brought up especially we're, we're seeing the Empire grow we have Aussie open and TJP as uh, official members now uh, you, you could have Cobb If he wins, you'll break off and and go singles.
1: Or who knows? There's a lot of things you could do there. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
4: Just
3: have him plow through Shingo. And then, you know, when Osprey and Cobb meet to unify their titles, the finger poke of Doom 2 happens. (laughs) (laughs) But what about night three?
1: (laughs) That's the thing. Like, booking this out doesn't make sense. We're like, what's going to happen on that third night? Like, no one knows is it's
3: fake it's not even a real wrestle kingdom it's not even in the dome <laughs> and when is new year's dash is it in the middle of wrestle kingdom or is it after we don't even know
1: if what? they're even doing it but if they are it's going to be in the middle i would assume
2: that's yeah. weird as of right now it's not booked but if one does get announced then some exciting things could be happening
1: so it sounds like we are all expecting okada to win this shit yeah all right. Rambo and Slim Pig asked a couple questions. Um, and I'll kind of leave most of it to you guys, because you guys watched all this. So whose stock has risen the most during the G1? I would argue ZSJ has reached a new level, as has Cobb. Ibushi and, Okada, <laughs> Ibushi and Okada have heated back up. Owens has jumped up the hierarchy also. Which were the most unexpected? I'll
2: let you go first, Dan.
3: So like we've talked you know ad nauseum about zsj and and Cobb getting elevated in this tournament um owens yeah he's definitely he got more wins i'm not a huge fan of his um but he 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 impressed me more than what from what i've seen from him before so i guess you could say he's he's kind of a, um one that has uh <laughs> jumped up um uh, great Ocon with his eight points. I, I feel like he, he kind of got a showcase in this, too. Um, you know, like we talked about, there's people that don't like him, but I think he is coming around. And he's not there yet, like we said, but eventually he will be. Um, Jeremy?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of the same guys that you mentioned. Obviously, I think Zack Sabre Jr. Obviously, you know, it, it might be kind of weird to say Sabre just because he is one of the best wrestlers in the world. When you look at his slotting in New Japan, these past couple of years he's been slotting in that dangerous Techers, you know, tag position. So this is kind of a, a re-elevation of, of Sabre. So I thought his stock raised. Cobb, obviously, going undefeated. And Cobb, again, a guy who a couple of years ago was just was a never guy, struggling to beat Hiroki Goto, um, is now undefeated in the block and could potentially win the block and win the tournament. Uh, so his stock definitely has rised. Um, think guys, some of the lower guys like Chase Owens uh, and Tamatonga. I think you know he mentioned who was unexpected for me. Tamatonga, if we based off what we saw in you know, G One in 2018, where Tamatonga um, was you know having horrible matches and the whole you know Bull Club Civil War stuff was happening, like I was not expecting much out of Tamatonga, and I thought he had a really good tournament. Obviously, none of his matches were like. Match of the year contenders, but he had a lot of really good three and a half to maybe four star matches and he wrestled straight and he was a red hot fiery Bay face in the majority of his matches and you know doing a lot of his invasion spots and then the the, the high flying and the gun sons out of nowhere. I thought he looked really good in the tournament. I think his stock uh rise for me at least Um Ray Ocon. I thought Ocon did great as well. Those great for, uh main three main events that he had towards the end like you mentioned. His stock definitely rised, and yeah, I think that's probably uh, about it.
1: Well, conversely, he asked, who's fallen the most during the G1? Is there anyone who has not burned out on Yano's act at this point? Has anyone else lost a notch for you?
3: Uh, unfortunately, Tai Chi. Um, I feel like he kind of got the shitty end of the stick in this tournament. Um, I, I've, I've really enjoyed watching his matches over the past couple of years, and it seems like... Um, This year was kind of a speed bump in uh, any kind of push for him, unfortunately. Um, Sonata has fallen down for me. Um, I used to enjoy his stuff, but like we talk about it, (laughs) it's mid.
4: I'll
1: I'll throw one out there just because Goto, slow descent of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of goto
3: <laughs> yeah he's almost into a new japan uh dad territory i think
2: so yeah and, and i definitely uh agree with you on, on sonata i mean we've all kind of already said like sonata kind of wrestles to the level of the guy he's in there with when you think you know he was the g1 finalist last year and now he's you know eliminated before even the last few nights and not having any standout matches like his best match i think was probably was the the, the okada and tanahashi matches and he's against the two, the two top guys like um uh, so yeah definitely lowered there for me uh Yano, I, i'm over it I, I i after like night one i was done <laughs> um yeah Yano, like he he he's okay in like
3: small doses every once in a while um but you know, every other night in the G One, especially in this tournament, when we're getting bullet club shenanigans left and right, it's like there's just too many matches with bullshit going on, and so they really stand out. And yeah, it gets old really quick.
2: Yeah, and then one one last guy, I would I would say Kenta. Um, obviously, he was in the mix towards the end, but I was a little disappointed just from a, a match quality. You, know, you look back at his twenty nineteen G One compared to this G One, and um, was was not at the same level.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people were sort of impressed with a couple of his outings, but mostly the fact that he kept winning. So they sort of saw that as like an elevation of sorts, and it may have been. But when you compare the match quality that he had year over year, G1 to G1, it's not quite what it was (laughs) last year, even, you know, especially compared to his first year. Right, right. Um, Last question he asked, he said, if Gato asked you to book a 10-man G1 block using competitors from Strong, who would make the cut?
2: All right, how how do we want to do this? We all want to kind of throw names in together?
1: (laughs) Well, I don't think it's that hard. I mean, I think you got to throw it. For for me, I'm going to say Suzuki, because he's
3: here. (laughs) John Moxley?
1: (laughs) John Moxley's got to be in it. Lance? White? (laughs)
3: Yeah, Os- fuck it. Lance Osprey. Archer. Osprey. <laughs> Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson. Throw him in there. Chris
1: Dickinson. Billy um, Tom.
3: Ishii's is is been over here.
1: <laughs> no. He's already no. in it. <laughs> He's not here.
2: Billy <laughs> Tom.
3: Filthy Tom
1: Lawler, of course. So, you know, now we're down to, the, like, the final three. Like, who's Bro- making that cut? Brody King. I was thinking, Brody. What are you? What are you... Uh, uh,
3: Alex Coughlin.
1: Out Alex Coughlin, you want to throw him? In there? I don't, yes, I don't know, man. There's some other dudes. I, yeah. I think le- what about Leo Rush,
2: the junior? <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, well, I, if I was gonna throw one of the guys in there, I, I would for me, I would throw like Clark Connors or what about Carl- Fredericks. Carl
2: Fredericks? Yeah,
1: I'd throw Fredericks in first, so that's nine. So we got one last spot. I mean, so Daniel Garcia, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> what about I don't know. What about uh, Mr. Donay's off, man? Sun Tanser man, Fred Rosser, Block no, the just,
1: Hate. Oh, you know what? Juice should probably get in there.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> what about El Fantasmo? Uh yeah, we could throw Yeah, throw Fantasmo in there. G1. <laughs> G1 Superstar El Fantasmo. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Whatever, it doesn't go. Do. <laughs> treating this man's question like it's a it's a
3: game well that (laughs) just shows that strong has a really strong roster and they've got a lot of awesome guys like like when strong strong first started i was like "Mm, i don't know about this there's only like a couple of guys that might be worth watching and now it's like they just have a plethora of all these badasses and it's fun to watch yeah how about
1: we throw in uh fred yehi just
3: because
2: oh yeah (laughs) i mean uh and josh alexander has been Showing up, so...
1: Oh, that, dude, Josh Alexander would be awesome in that. Did you uh, say Will Osprey? Uh, yeah. How about we expand this thing out to a full 20-man, <laughs> two-block...
2: <laughs> Do a, the G1 of USA. G1 of USA.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why is everything of USA with them? <laughs> um, MJ Does PR asked, Who's got the higher ceiling after this tourney? ZSJ, Tai Chi, or Jeff Cobb? Well, Khan's had some good performances in main events. Would you put him in the same block of credible world title challengers or on the same level as Goto Yoshihashi?
2: Um, I think the highest ceiling is probably going to be Jeff Cobb. I mean, going undefeated, especially if he wins a tournament undefeated, even if not, even with just one loss. Like that's just, like you mentioned, Josh, like history has never happened before. Well, it's
1: it's just the role they're very clearly slotting him in that powerhouse monster Gaijin role, which, you know, has been lacking recently since like, say, Lance Archer left the company and, you know, um, Michael Elgin, guys like that. So, yeah, I think that that's, I think just by the very nature of what that role entails and the upside of it, it's a lot higher than like, say, where you might slot a ZSJ or a Tai
2: yeah, and then as far as Ocon, uh, I think that he, I don't. I wouldn't put him on Gotō or Yoshihashi's level, but I don't. He's not a world title challenger quite yet. I think he's somewhere in the middle for right now. Mid. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: i was gonna ask what dan's uh, opinion was but he gave it to us no
3: no i, I don't think he's mid i, I like him a lot I, I don't know if he's up to you know the goto yoshihashi level yet but he uh, he will surpass them i think eventually
2: well nice now uh, you know dan you were talking about the the strong roster of new japan strong we're, we're gonna talk now about autumn attack night two i know you did uh check this show out uh, this weekend, Dan, so let's talk about this real quick. So we had the Alex Coughlin Challenge Series continuing here. The Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson, answered the call this week. Defeated Alex Coughlin, 13 minutes and three seconds. What do you think about this one, Dan?
3: This is a nice little uh, smack the shit out of each other match. I really <laughs> liked it a lot, man. This is big men slapping meat. It was fun. That's what's in my search engine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I really enjoy this match. Obviously, Chris Dickinson's like the perfect guy for New Japan. New Japan's strong, and uh, coming out here of Coglin, yeah, very hard-hitting, tons of strikes. Uh, But yeah, obviously, the result's kind of obvious. Um, Coglin's been losing all these things, but yeah, Dickinson puts him away. But a good way to open the show... Then following that, the Mega Coaches reunited. Rocky Romero and Riske Degucci. they defeated the West Coast Wrecking Crew of Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs at 13 minutes and 41 seconds.
3: It was a fun little match. Uh, a lot of hip attacks, you know, the typical uh, Mega Coaches stuff. And then, the you know, the the Wiley veterans snuck out the win in the end. So, we, yeah. you know, st- just basic, good wrestling match.
2: Yeah, part of me was a kind of surprised. You have two juniors against a heavyweight tag team, and the junior team won. Obviously, Rocky and Taguchi are, you know, main roster, quote unquote, new Japan guys and are, you know, have more experience. Uh, but I was still a little surprised to see that they ended up with the win. But I guess, you know, Taguchi's only in town for a little bit. You got to give him some wins. So, yeah, not Holds off. on top, man. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> uh, then they the semi main event, multi man tag here. Clark Connors, Juice Robinson, Leo Rush, and TJP. They defeat the Bull Club team of Chris Bay, ELP, Hikaleo, and, T- and Taiji Shimori by disqualification 11 minutes and 7 seconds. So they're, they're building to a bull rope match between Juice and Hikaleo for next week. And Hikaleo, Juice came out with the bull rope, and Hikaleo eventually grabbed it and used it on Juice towards the end there. Calling call the DQ. Uh, we don't see a lot of DQs in New Japan, but we got one here on Strong. What do you think about this, Dan?
3: Uh, it was okay. <laughs> I wasn't really thrilled with this. This was by far the weakest match on the show for me.
2: Yeah, especially you know after 11 minutes and to go to the DQ finish, there was there's plenty yeah. of guys on both sides that they could have beaten that they didn't want to beat Hikalea or Juice going into the bull rope match. But right, it is what it is. Bull Club stood tall and throw their two sweets up which then led us to the main event of this night. We had Will Ospreay defeating Carl Frederick's 18 minutes and eight seconds.
3: So this was a fun match. Um, This, I don't think this, this wasn't Will Ospreay working at like, you know, top tier Will levels, Uh, but he was still, you know, pretty, pretty well into it. And it just showed me that Carl can hang with him. Right. Um, It was really a showcase for Carl Frederick's and I I enjoyed the match. I especially, Liked it when Will Ospreay won, you know, faked out the, uh, you know, good job, you know, handshake or whatever there at the end and then beat the shit out of <laughs> him. I'm always a sucker for heels doing that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I thought this was awesome match. Honestly, I think this is probably Carl Frederick's best New Japan match. Like you mentioned, it was kind of cool right. to see him hanging in there with Ospreay, wrestling an Ospreay style matchup. Very hard hitting. There's a lot of uh, callbacks to Shibata, um, you know. Osprey teasing the Shibata stuff to Fredericks, and then Fredericks following up and doing the, the drop kick and stuff like that. Um, Osprey, a lot of focus on the head with the the rolling elbows. Uh, we got the, the burning shooting star uh, over the, the ropes there onto Fredericks. And, yeah, just a good, hard-hitting back and forth. There's a great um, – uh, Fredericks hit the the Manifest Destiny, but Osprey rolled out uh, to the ring. So almost had Osprey beat, but he couldn't cover him. Um and just yeah, there were so many great near falls, and then the, the hidden blade at the end knocked Frederick's head off, put put him away. <laughs> one, two, three, one, two, three. And also interesting thing before the match, uh Osprey bullied uh Jeremy Marcus to lift up the quote unquote real world title. So apparently this was a <laughs> IWGP world title match <laughs> on right. strong. Um and then we had an angle post match. Um Osprey continued to beat down, like you mentioned, Frederick's and then Connors. Uh, came out, and TJP, and, you know, Ospreay's like, no, know, it seems like I'm outnumbered here. This is time to introduce my new member of the United Empire. And then on the screen, it flashes, TJP. And then he <laughs> jumped Carl, uh, Clark Connors, played him out, and it's now official. TJP is a part of the United Empire.
3: I mean, is there any more perfect member for the <laughs> United Empire? <laughs> a team of just smug assholes? <laughs>
1: Um, I mean, my whole thing is like, you know, I, I want to like clown on those guys for being stupid or whatever, but it's their own fault. I mean, anyone who chills with TJP in kayfabe or shoot had to know that something like this could have definitely happened. I mean, they did it to themselves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I don't think they were actually trying to hang with TJP. I think he was just kind of there. Because remember that one? Nah, that's their boys.
1: they they're, they're all dojo boys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
2: no remember that one tag match and you were like yeah i don't think clark really wanted a team with him like
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> like i think it was it's a book that way and he was like damn
1: <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i mean i don't know you know earlier this year they were, you know talking about proud boys and the allusions to the United empire i don't know if <laughs> cjp was the best guy to
3: uh <laughs> throw in there you know uh. just in enhancing the image that a lot of people already had about him Need to throw an A double next. Oh my.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> they, uh,
1: if they want to get some real heat, let's bring in Albert, Alberto. You know what I'm saying?
2: Oh my oh, god. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, this coming up Saturday, we have night three of Autumn Attack show. Open up with another multi man tag. We'll have David Finley, Freddie A-high, Wheeler Utah, Will All Day, and Brogan Finley taking
1: it on. <laughs> <laughs> Two
2: of those guys are. <laughs> uh, they'll be taking on Taguchi, Ren Narita, Alex Coghlan, Kevin Knight, and the DKC. Then we'll have the Bull Club team of ELP and Chris Bay taking on the Dirty Birds of Robbie Eagles and Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson. Then the semi-main event, Will Ospreay, and obviously it's going to be his mystery partner. It's going to be TJP taking on Carl Fredericks and Clark Connors. And then the main event the bull rope match between Juice Robinson and Hickaleo.
1: Loser leaves town.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, overall, I've really been enjoying the Texas shows. The one, the one downfall is just the, the production value. Um, what about the attendance? Well, that's the one thing. Because the t- the attendance was light, they kind of darkened the crowd. And so the, the whole building's pretty much dark. Except the lights pretty much just in the ring. But it, it's kind of affecting the lighting for the whole thing. And so the production-wise, it's not the best-looking production. Uh, and, like, the audio like on the entrance music on the, and the ring announcer has been super low as well. Um,
1: ah, so they got that AEW
2: ring entrance music <laughs> Yeah, effect. it's, like, super low. Uh, Dan, what were your thoughts on uh, the commentary with um, Kozloff and Aided English?
3: Uh, to be honest, it's quite a step down from Kevin Kelly doing the G1. <laughs> that way, it, it, sometimes it's pretty rough to listen to. Um, <laughs> those guys try, you know? But it, it, it sounds like uh, a million other like independent wrestling shows with commentary that I've watched. Um, they're, they're, they're really strong. Kozlov's rough, man. <laughs> I know he's trying, but he is rough. Like, at the end, when... TJP ran out um, and attacked Clark Connors. Um, he called Clark Connors, caller Fredericks, and I'm just like, are you watching the same show I am? <laughs> like, what are you doing,
2: man? <laughs> yeah, Kozloff definitely needs Kevin Kelly guiding him. Yeah, in English, I mean, good voice, and, and he's fine. He obviously, done his research, he knows stuff, but yeah, it's just not not the same.
3: I think uh, Aiden English, or was it Matt Morris as he goes by yeah. over here? Yeah. Um, I think he would be better with a, a separate partner. How about that? I think he feels like he has to do a lot of the heavy lifting, which puts him in some uh, uncomfortable <laughs> situations when he's announcing.
1: I don't know why they don't give Morrow a call.
2: That that would be dope, yeah.
1: Give Morrow a call. Call Josh Barnett. Let's get the old Axis team back together, you know?
2: Well, they, they probably still got heat with Barnett after the whole Jay White incident.
1: Well, you know, JY shouldn't be fucking around. You know, (laughs) he fucked around, found out. You know, Um, we got some news items here. So, uh, Battle in the Valley—that's the big show coming up on November 13th. It's going to hit Fight Live in English from the San Jose Civic Card uh, or Civic Center. Card to be broadcast live on Fight TV at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Live English commentary is a Fight Live exclusive. English commentary will be available on demand after the event. So that's one. We're not going to be able to make it out for that show. But um, I'm like kind of hesitant because I'm like I want to hear it in English. But there were so many complaints about Fight TV last time.
2: Who's doing the commentary on these? Uh, Kevin Kelly, uh, 8 English, and Kozlov.
1: Yeah, so, I mean,
2: I, I don't know. <laughs> you had we'll... me there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> you guys,
3: they had me there until the end. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, the thing, too, uh, this is the same night as Full Gear. So, right. uh, I'm sure a lot of people are probably going to be watching this the next day. So, just watch it on demand. Oh, on- I'm, I'm
1: planning to, like, power through, do Full Gear and Battle
2: in the Valley same day.
3: Mm. So, is it going to be on New Japan World with Japanese commentary, like, the next day?
2: or, or that night? So, or, right? it'll, yeah, it'll be live in Japanese that night
3: maybe i just do that
2: yeah i I think i'll just i I don't mind watching these shows in japanese
3: commentary
1: i don't either the thing is i'd be willing to pay for it it's just fight tv has such a bad track record like we've done several fight tv shows and i've never watched a new japan fight tv live show that didn't have issues right so we'll see um in other news, uh, TJP is going to be making his way to Mexico via CMLL, CMLL through New Japan Pro Wrestling. So um, that's pretty interesting there. And then El Phantasmo earned his way to an X-Division Championship match next week at Impact's Bound for Glory event when he defeated Rahit Raju and Willie Mack in a wild three-way match this past Thursday. So, um, yeah, ELP making strides in Impact Uh I'm glad our uh, Impact dedicated podcast on this <laughs> network is covering this.
4: <laughs> Man,
2: we, we, we can't keep him.
1: He's sidelined. So that's going to take us to a couple questions here and then the match of the week, and then we're going to get out of here. So first question, um, Raising Falcons asked, as you like Chaos Mole questions, then here's another. Who would you have booked to have been the Chaos Mole? Wow, we haven't discussed the, the Mole and Chaos in a long time. Oh
2: yeah, we got a question last week. Uh, somebody was bringing up like they thought like maybe Chuck T could have potentially uh, have been the Mole Chaos since he was going crazy at the end of the, the World Tag League that year.
4: So I this mean, pre
3: this predates when I started watching New Japan. So. <laughs> I'm not really sure what's going on with the mole. Is it just something like Jay White just offhandedly mentioned there's a mole in chaos and people just ran with it on the internet or something?
1: Well, we don't know because they mentioned it a lot, but then it got dropped. So it's hard to tell if it was just like what you mentioned or if it was an actual storyline that was going to pay out. Um, It was sort of in that in-between gray area where it's hard to tell if it was to be taken serious or not.
3: But it was mentioned more than once by Jay White or whoever.
1: It was mentioned, like, for quite a while, multiple times. But, you know, like, everyone's shooting in the dark. Like, Kevin Kelly brought up on commentary a lot, but, like, it's not like he knows what the fuck's going on either, so.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we used to get, like, questions every week. Like, who's the mole in chaos? you guys, any thoughts on the mole in chaos? Like, who's the (laughs) mole I do,
1: I do think that Chucky T could have potentially been the guy had that storyline been allowed to play out at that World Tag League.
4: Well, did for, they really
3: need a mole in Chaos? I mean, isn't Okada like a terrible leader anyway? Like, <laughs> that, that's like a, undermining that, it himself? Maybe he's the mole, right? That's a more modern uh, interpretation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess we can move on. Dom Homie 101 asks, does New Japan depend too much on foreign talent with this whole COVID-19 situation? I feel that it exposes the fact that New Japan depends too much on foreign talent. I feel like the company needs to put focus on homegrown talent.
2: Um, they they definitely, I think other than, they, they are the Japanese promotion that uses probably the most gaijin talent. When you look at like Noah or DDT or Dragon Gate, I'll see, I think New Japan uses the most gaijin talent. Um, I don't think they totally rely on them. I and mean, we, we have, we still have the dojo system. We, we have, you know, Suji and Yamura out on excursion. Okan just came back. Uh, Shooter aminos on excursion We still have like the LA dojo guys That are going to be graduating and be Being integrated soon Um, So I I do think that they focus In on homegrown talent but also When there once you Have an increased use of gaijin it definitely Makes a difference when they can't come Into the country
1: Yeah I mean I, I don't know That I agree with this I mean Is it conducive To have talent that lives abroad Um You know brought in constantly like this in in a certain sense no especially when there's a pandemic that prevents them from traveling but then you look at new japan from 1972 till now and it's been an extremely fruitful and you know beneficial system that they've had in place and you know uh it's just it's part of the culture there. The idea of bringing in stars from abroad has always been a money making tool for them, and it's also helped grow the industry and the health of those performers who get to come over. And you know, it, it's a it's an incredible resource that they have at their disposal. Um, so, I mean, I'd be remiss to say no, they're they're depending too much on foreign talents. Like, you know, I don't know. I I, I think it's fantastic what they do. You know, most giant. Japanese professional wrestling companies have done this always. Um, I wish we saw more, you know, companies exchanging talent and utilizing people from different countries, you know, internationally. Especially the fact that this company has in the past five years become more of a worldwide product as opposed to just a domestic product. I mean, it's hard to kind of, um, I don't know, criticize them for having some of the best wrestlers in the world. Just because they happen to be from England, Canada and America and Mexico, you know,
3: what do you think, Dan? Well, I mean, it is a business, right? Um, and how are you going to grow your business worldwide if you don't, you know, showcase people from around the world? You can't take a fully Japanese promotion and bring it over here and expect it to succeed, right? You got to have people from everywhere. Um, that that I mean that's why I started watching is because, you know, I heard about I saw gifts of Kenny Omega doing stuff and, and other foreigners. I like I I had no idea who a lot of these Japanese guys were, but I'd heard of the the like AJ Styles or whoever. And that's what brought me in and I'm sure that's brought a lot of a lot of other people that don't live in Japan to start watching it. I, I think it's just mostly like Josh said, like a like a business decision. It's like how how do you get the most money from the most people in the world, right? Right. Bringing people from everywhere, yeah. It's all about being monetistic, guys. That's what an oil <laughs> boy is down to for everything.
1: Uh, the next question, uh, this is a fight question. He asked, Why doesn't Larry Holmes get the respect that he should get? In my opinion, Larry Holmes is an all time great, and it's a shame that he's underappreciated. So, I know this is kind of my wheelhouse. Um, Dan, I don't know. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, the thing with Larry Holmes is Larry Holmes came between two of the, uh, two of the greatest heavyweights of all time, but not just that, but two of the greatest sport uh, sporting personalities and marketable stars in the history of boxing. And that would be Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson, you know, and in between those two eras, you've got the dominance that was Larry Holmes and You know, head-to-head, I think Larry Holmes is a fucking killer and hell for any heavyweight, any time in history, no matter who it is in his prime, including Ali, including Tyson, including Tyson Fury. Um, (laughs) Like, the other night, I actually, funnily enough, was asked to give my ranking of the five greatest heavyweights of all time. And, you know, I had... Ali, number one, Joe Lewis, number two, Larry Holmes, number three, Foreman, four, and uh, Lennox Lewis at five. So, you know, in my opinion, I'm right there with you. I, I think Larry Holmes is one of the all-time greats. But, you know, um, in his old age, he did lose to Evander Holyfield. He did lose to Mike Tyson. You know, he had some of those big losses. He he was never able to beat Michael Spinks. Uh He lost the fight to Michael Spinks right before he was going to either tie or surpass Rocky Marciano's undefeated record, and I think that that was kind of a detriment to him as well. And he always kind of carried a a chip on his shoulder because he didn't get the same kind of love and respect that Muhammad Ali had. So, you know, um, plus it was the 80s, and that era of heavyweight boxing is much lower than the 90s and the 70s and the 60s, and all those lost generation of heavyweights that were doing coke and you know, all that shit, you know, your Tony Tubbs and your all the, you know, there's a bunch of guys. Um, so it's not like he was in the midst of like the greatest era either. So that's, that also plays a big part in it. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much the deal, but make no mistakes about it. Larry Holmes is one of the greatest and Larry Holmes could be any fighter ever in the history of boxing, period. Nice. Last question he had for us. Thoughts on the upcoming fight between Shakur Stevenson and Jamel Herring? In my opinion, I've – Herring, Herring, I don't know. I feel like this fight will be the toughest fight in the young career of Stevenson due to the fact that uh, they've been in the same training camp together from time to time. I think the rubber will meet the road, but I'll be rooting for Stevenson in the audience. I can't wait to attend this fight. Um, yeah in my opinion so far I've got no reason to doubt Shakur Stevenson he really hasn't been battle tested and you know um, a, f- a few weeks ago I was kind of, or you know months ago I was kind of asked about Shakur Stevenson in my opinions and you know I I, I'm, I haven't been as up on boxing in the past few years as I have been in the past so I like was kind of even a little unaware of everything that he had already done but I mean, yeah, I mean, he's fought a, a good collection of fighters, not world beaters, but I mean, you know, the guy's 16-0 and 0 at this point, you know, multiple-time world champion and multiple-time in multiple weight classes. Um, he's he's proven himself to be the truth. I think he needs to fight some better guys. I think Jamal Herring probably is up there as, like, one of his toughest opponents. If it wasn't him, then, you know, I don't know. Uh probably Christopher Diaz, I'm, I'm assuming. Maybe Alberto Guevara. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think he'll beat Jamel Herring, and I'd like to see Shakur Stevenson move on to some bigger names, some bigger money fights, some tougher tests, because, you know, this kid's got the goods, but he just, from a management standpoint, hasn't really been placed in those types of fights where we get to see what he's truly, truly made of against the best.
2: Nice. Well, uh, now let's uh, transition over to recommended match of the week. So last week, uh, Chris Samso recommended Kota Ibushi versus Tsuya Naito from the 2013 G1 Climax, and I watched this before we recorded, and I thought this was a nice little banger 14-minute match. It was kind of almost like a best of the Super Junior match because Ibushi was out there flipping all over the place and, you know, Golden triangles, uh, did a Phoenix splash for the win. Naito, only one knee is taped up, <laughs> and so <laughs> <laughs> young Naito, <laughs> yeah, he's doing more, you know, more flips and he's doing more like high pace, you know, uh, offense, you know, obviously coming from the CMLL excursion, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I thought it was a really good matchup, and also just one of many great matches that these two guys would have. So, uh, Dan, it's uh, your turn here to uh, pick the recommended match of the week for us.
3: A lot of pressure, right? Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, Josh, let me know if you've seen this one already. Uh, 1992 G1 Climax Final. Yeah, of course. Masahiro Chono versus Versus my boy Rick Rude for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah,
1: this is a great match. (laughs) (laughs) It really is.
3: Yeah, it's I, I I I'd watched it a long time ago, and then when you guys invited me on, I was like, let me let me pick something out that I I know is awesome, but I haven't seen it in a while. I watched it again this week. Um, crowd is just like super hot for everything that Chono does, and they hate Rick Rude, which it should be right. Uh, Chono does a few hip swivels in there to like taunt Rude. You got Medusa out there. It, I I love this match. I think you're going to enjoy
2: it, Jeremy. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I have not watched this match. So, yeah, looking forward to uh, checking it out.
3: Now, Josh, do you know, like, the whole story behind this being for the NWA title? I'm assuming you do, right? Yeah. Um, Okay, do you want to tell the listeners?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so essentially what had happened was that when Jim Crockett promotion um, was bought by, you know, by... Turner Networks uh, and WCW was formed. You know the NWA as a board and a body still exists. Still, you know, still existed. And prior to that, the NWA from about like nine, like mid eighty six or like eighty seven up until yeah, from about eighty six to eighty seven, they're pretty much controlled primarily by Jim Crockett and Jim Crockett Promotions and. You know, essentially the NWA belt was the de facto top belt of Jim Crockett promotions. But once WCW bought them, they started kind of phasing out the NWA name and they eventually awarded a WCW title. And that title was represented by the one big gold belt. And the NWA champion was also represented by the big gold belt. So it was kind of confusing to people because – You know, Ric Flair for a period of time was both NWA and WCW champion simultaneously. He was recognized by the NWA board and WCW, the company. It's not um, unlike, to kind of explain to people, sort of like what the um, TNA situation was like in the mid-2000s when the TNA title was held by – or the NWA title was held by TNA. But the NWA as a board and a body still existed at that time kind of similar. Um, And then eventually what ended up happening was Ric Flair left WCW as the champion, um, had a falling out with management, left jump ship to WWF. And when he left WCW, he lost his recognition as WCW champion, but he was still the NWA champion for an extended period of time until he actually showed up on WWF television with the belt. Once he did that, the NWA stripped him and he lost recognition as their champion. But when he went on TV and said, I am the real world champion, (laughs) he really was actually the NWA champion. Like it wasn't like he hadn't been champion all the time. He was still recognized as, as champ. Anyways, um, there was a vacancy and they decided to fill that vacancy. And obviously there's a partnership between the NWA and WCW. They held a single, uh, I believe it one night. I think the G one that year was one night. If not, it was several night. But um, they had they held a single elimination G one tournament in nineteen ninety two, and it featured both talent from WCW as well as New Japan Pro Wrestling, and you know that was to crown the new NWA champion essentially.
2: Nice. So, you know, different format of tournament here for the G1. NWA involved. Rick Rue, Chono. Should, should be some good stuff, too. I check out here. WCW? Yeah. There's some other
3: good matches in that tournament, too. I watched some of the other one. I mean, listen to the, some of the names from that tournament. You got Arn Anderson versus Steve Austin, <laughs> an opening round match. You got uh, K.G. Muto versus Barry Windham scott Norton, scott norton versus bam bam bigelow i mean (laughs) like classic names if you like like early 90s like wcw wrestling like these are your guys right
1: yeah i'm trying to remember if there's anything else that has stood out to me from that tournament um i'm looking over the the field here um hmm I think the Kensuke sazaki Rick Rude match was good, if I recall, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, Kijimuto and Masahiro Chono went 26 minutes in the semifinals, which that was a rematch of the final from the year before. Um, Steve Austin versus Kijimuto sounds interesting. Actually, Kijimuto's entire run through the tournament, sound- the match with Barry Windham 10 minutes, that's that's probably pretty good too.
2: Nice. Yeah,
3: it that- looks like it took place over like four nights. It wasn't like a one night tournament.
1: Okay, gotcha. Yeah, from August sixth to August twelfth. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
2: It definitely some some gems to check out there.
1: But yeah, and this is um one of the final matches that are on tape of Chono before because in September of that same year he's gonna rest, He's gonna defend the title against Steve Austin pre Stone Cold, and uh, Steve Austin actually breaks uh, Masahiro Chono's neck using a sit. A sitting version of the uh, Tombstone Piledriver, sound familiar?
4: Mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um, after that period, Chono's just never the same kind of performer. I mean, he still has a long, lengthy, successful career, but you know the type of wrestler he was before the neck injury and the type of wrestler he becomes afterwards is vastly different. And this is one of the last major matches on tape that kind of showcases his talents, very similar to st- how Steve Austin was. Pre and post neck injury from the exact same spot.
2: That's crazy. I didn't realize that. Yep. The more you know. <laughs> well, Dan, well, thanks so much. Oh, go ahead, Josh. I was gonna do the same thing you're doing.
3: You can both thank me. That's
2: my, that's my... <laughs> acknowledge Dan.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Dan. Dan he creates uh, gifts and stuff like that. Sometimes he made a uh, acknowledge me um, meme for. Uh, uh, Matt Seidel <laughs> and like someone else took it and posted it and got like all this love bro you gotta like put watermarks or something on your shit
3: uh, I, I probably will going forward I, I don't care about the likes man I do I do it I, do, I do, mostly did it for the group chat and you guys liked it so <laughs> well the funny thing is um, the side dojo like I'm still in their chat
1: and I shared that and like Matt doesn't pay attention to shit so like I shared it people saw it whatever they didn't laugh or react to it because they suck. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, Matt, like, the next day, and literally there's been no activity between me sharing it and anything else. And then the, the next day, this morning, Matt shares it. And I'm like, what are you doing, bro? It's right it's right
3: there. I shared it. <laughs> you don't be reading anything anybody else writes in the chat? <laughs> yeah, don't read anything anybody else
2: writes. Reading is your friend. Uh...
1: And then I saw he shared it on his story, and he was like, I enjoy this. And I was like <laughs> – I told him, I was like, yeah, my, my buddy Dan made that. And he's like, tell Dan I said, thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dan getting put over by Matt Seldell out here. All right, man. got to honor the new demo god.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know how wrestlers are. As long as you worship them and you know, give them all the props, mark out for them, and pay for, to take pictures with them and pay to –
3: acknowledge can, them
1: right and just acknowledge <laughs> them you know with your time money and efforts then mostly money <laughs> yeah mostly money but
2: <laughs> dan you want
3: to uh, plug your twitter and anything else i mean if you guys want to follow me you can <laughs> dan's
1: got good ratings takes and opinions yeah
3: <laughs> i make memes occasionally i dunk on politicians occasionally but like i don't really have anything to promote you know I just make guest spots every once in a while hopefully I entertained some of your listeners tonight or hopefully (laughs) they're not gonna like you know have pitchforks on Reddit saying who is that asshole like don't (laughs) ever
1: have him back Dan's last name is Coffin and it's fitting because he is the ghoul of social suplex he is the lover of GCW and all things deathmatch I
3: I don't know how I got this name I just like a few light, gifts. all of a sudden I'm just like I'm just the gore master (laughs) (laughs) You share one GIF of a guy getting like stuck with hypodermic needles, and you're branded for life. I don't get it. I I I don't know, man. You be you be ordering them GCW shows. You order GCW shows, bro. If you pay for GCW shows, you're a ghoul. No, I just like entertaining wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) I like supporting one of the hottest promotions in the country. I can't stand GCW. They're fun, man. I enjoy them.
1: I don't like fun. I like
3: blood sport where it's just people beating the shit out of each other. Sans light tubes. See, we're we're just two, you know, we're very similar. You just don't like light tubes. I like light tubes. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Now my Twitter is at, uh, coffin underscore Dan, I think. Um, you know if you go on to social suplex they'll uh they'll show my twitter at some point i'm sure
2: oh yeah we're we're That's about all to get, I got. we're about to hand you over the keys so you can just post memes on the account all day
3: <laughs> you want
1: yeah kid you want a you want a job you can be our social media manager
2: what's that pay
3: <laughs> we'll,
2: we'll talk about that uh, off air
4: a fraction of what we earn here on this show
3: all those red circle donations rolling in
2: yeah
1: Hey, guys, send us some money on Red Circle, please. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: well, that's going to wrap things up for this week. Next week, we'll be back to review the G1 Climax 31 finals. So, if you Will enjoy- I
1: have watched it or no? What's the over-under?
2: That, that's a big mystery. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this G1 was a wash for me. <laughs> Bro, this is the first G1 since, uh, I mean, I'm sure I'll see some of it between now and then, but like, literally since 2013 since like g1s have become pretty accessible that i've just like not watched it and most of the time i either watch the entire thing or i cherry pick the the biggest and best matches and i haven't done that really i still haven't even i started to watch ishii and shingo and it was good and i couldn't focus i turned it off so um i'm gonna do some catching up here shortly we'll be back with the passion and you know watching everything but uh yeah, this, this has been weird, man. This G one's a wash
2: for me.
3: I didn't even watch it. It's a well, great time to jump back in. You got tag league starting up. Oh
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have a great yeah tag league tour. Best Super Juniors. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: it's been nice. I might just watch what I want to watch from now on. We're going the show and talk about like '85 Memphis. I don't even actually. I don't even know if there's tape from like '81 Memphis. That's more you
2: know appropriate. Keeping it uh, Memphis style? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, next week we'll be back to review the G1 finals. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a don- donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KISTrongStyle. The network is at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook. We're at Facebook.com. Social Suplex. Also, you can find us at the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com, Slash Group, Slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy, just keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at Social Check out our YouTube channel, Social Suplex Podcast Network. and Check out all the other shows that we have here on the network One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences Podcast with Caleb and Maserati. 8 bit Suplex with Josh, number two all things elite with Floyd and Austin and the great match generator with Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Itchy bond.
1: Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see see you next time.